Hello everybody, welcome to Frame Trap. We have so many games to talk about, eight hours is not enough. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so we're actually uh, changing the order. Usually we go around the horn and say, what have you been playing? What have you been playing? What have you been playing? We're not doing it this way. I've got a list of games and we're going to go down one by one by one, covering each of them. And there is a game at the top of this list that I think we are all... Very, very, very enthusiastic about. None perhaps more enthusiastic than Michael P. Huber over here. Um, and that game is Resident Evil 7. I'm enthusiastic about the fact that I'm enthusiastic. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think that's something we're talking about. And what's nice about this particular conversation, it's not going to be true about all the games we're talking about, uh, but we've all finished, or you're, you're nearly, very close. you're very close to the end. And so not we, afraid of spoilers. Sure. Um, we're not going to be spoiling it here. I would ask that you guys refrain from spoilers uh, because we haven't had a podcast where we've kind of talked about Resident Evil 7 in a general sense. And so maybe later on down the line, we'll have a frame trap, we'll have uh, Resident Evil 7 spoilers at the end. But Michael Huber, this is a game that you've been waiting for for a long time, yeah. uh, that you had your heart broken by Resident Evil 6. As <laughs> perhaps the biggest Resident Evil fan in the world, what was it like playing through Resident Evil 7 the first time? And how did your emotions change from beginning to end? Um, it was magical. <laughs> it was just cozy. Sorry, I'm a little sick, uh, viewers. Um, Sorry, get up in that mic a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, it was like a warm blanket <laughs> just snuggling up. This game is terrifying. Yeah, this is, you were just grinning warmly. <laughs> yeah. This is messing with my mind. This game just Red wrapped itself around me because, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, you know... You look back at all the Resident Evils, you look at, let's just say, like, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. One, like, the fixed camera angles is almost like you're a fly on the wall. And behind the back is a similar thing. You are piloting, you are controlling these heroes, the, these characters. And for this one to be first person, mm -hmm. uh, and a brand new protagonist that we barely know anything about, especially in the opening opening moments of the game... It was like I was going through. It was just very. It was a very personal Resident Evil because yeah. uh, we're seeing it through the characters and, and and in VR especially. It even takes that one step further. Uh, it, I've never been so inside of a Resident Evil game. I want to talk about that first person perspective mm -hmm. a little bit because uh, one of my biggest fears going into it, and I think one of the biggest fears for a lot of Resident Evil fans is you know first person has dominated horror. I would say in recent years mm -hmm. um, and. You can think of several first-person horror games that feel very similar to each other, have a lot of the same tricks. Yeah. And I think you could argue that Resident Evil 7 takes cues from some of those things, but it is very much a Resident Evil game. Absolutely. Uh, mm -hmm. The way that they use this perspective and how they incorporate Resident Evil 7, or Resident Evil elements very, very slowly yeah. is, is kind of brilliant. Did you agree 100%. And, you know, hats off to Capcom. Like, the best marketing of a game I've ever seen in my life. Wow. Because <laughs> they respected the game and respected the story. They respected me as a lifelong fan of this franchise mm -hmm. to hold back and not show a damn thing past Texas Chainsaw Massacre vibe. Sure. You know? Uh, and that was that was costly to them. It made, me, it made me nervous and I said mm -hmm. so yeah, like, on right. the podcast. I like, was like, I haven't really seen a lot here. And yeah. 
Well, and, and that's e- even cutting the review, I was like, should I show the flamethrower? Yeah, oh, you know, it's like <laughs> yeah. even, even that, and like I've gotten to the point in the game where it's like that's not, you know like that. Yeah. That's a fun part of the game, but it, it's funny to think about when we had the the multiple demos and people were still wondering like. Is there going to be a lot of combat in this game? You know, that was a big yeah, question. Exactly. Um, and now after having finished it, that of seems course. kind of silly like, yes, in retrospect. Yes, there is combat. But, and and that, that's what separates it, too, from all the other uh, first-person horror games out there, for mm-hmm. me at least, is Outlast, you are helpless. You're supposed to run away. Amnesia, very similar, very similar vibe of trying to hide and escape rather than attack back. I was really right? glad... It didn't have a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I was kind of worried about that. Just running and hiding yeah. and escaping, like like kind of a, like a nemesis style mm-hmm. thing. Like it kind of had like, yeah. especially at the beginning. There's kind of like elements that yeah. kind of feel like that. You know, when you're walking through the house and Jack mm-hmm. just kind of pops out of nowhere, which is cool. Yeah, but it's not the whole game. Yeah, it's just enough. Totally, and it, and it and it just has the absolute origin of what Resident Evil is about mm-hmm. from Shinji Mikami. It's about being overwhelmed and being like going up against uh overwhelming odds and like way stronger opponents with limited resources yeah so like being able to fight back but at a cost Mm -hmm. another thing that i talking about its connections to past resident evil games Mm -hmm. uh you know thinking about four thinking about five thinking about six one enemy most of the time in those games does not feel like a threat, whereas one enemy in Resident Evil 7 mm-hmm. feels like a big deal, especially early on, and that's yeah. something I greatly respect. Absolutely. Um, and the way that the, the areas are designed, particularly the first house, mm-hmm. uh, thinking about Resident Evil 1 and 2 especially, just being in this place and slowly uncovering more and more layers to it and yeah. coming back, and when you come back, you have more items and so you can see more stuff. Oh, All of that was really really well done like these areas aren't necessarily huge mm. but there's there's so much densely packed into them that yeah. it's really fun mm. exploring and that like exploration element mm-hmm. i've missed that in yeah. resident evil games. the hidden items is something that i, I think is yeah. really unique and they've definitely had that before you definitely want to like scour the environments in previous resident evils mm-hmm. but like the ability to like eat an item that shows where other items are at mm-hmm. yeah. and like having one be like, oh, this was, oh, God, no way would I have ever found that. That was like right. under a bush, in something. you can see it. Like, it's not like, oh, it's hidden and I'm just like, you know, clicking on a prompt and I don't even know what I'm picking up. It's like, no, I can see it underneath that little cardboard thing. But there's just so much detail in the environment and so much junk everywhere that like, it's it's tough to like pick up a pot and look, oh, there's that lock pick. You know, yeah, right. I love and those moments. Especially picking up items that you might not even use. Like your uh, hand, the wooden axe. You know, a lot of people <laughs> missed, <laughs> missed oh, that did, whole. Puzzle. I didn't miss it. Yeah, and that but felt I, real good. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. I'm just saying, like, you know, there are some right. items where it's like, oh, I might well, not figure the out wooden really how I had to use the wooden gun. I had the wooden gun. Yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. There you I go. missed it. Yeah. See how cool I, I, mean, I, only, I only got one repair kit, and so I never oh, I got the upgraded shotgun, but I yeah. never got the upgraded handgun. Yeah. Shotgun. Yeah. Um. The way the game evolves over time, it it actually kind of, in its own way, feels like there are multiple games kind of bundled together within it. And I didn't think that was going to work, but you actually get kind of sprinkles of every Resident Evil in there. You really do. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Um, (laughs) Because, you know, I guess gameplay thing from the end of the game. Nothing story related, but if you're sensitive to gameplay spoilers... 
this is your warning. Um, the end of the game, you're shooting a lot of things. Yeah. And it's very, very different. But I like how gradually it built up to that. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't it didn't feel haphazard, it didn't feel out of place. It's like I yeah. was powerless and I eventually get to this point where I've got all of these weapons. And that's a very Resident Evil thing. You know, I think Quit. about Yeah. I think <laughs> about Resident Evil One and when I finally got to the tyrant, mm-hmm. how much stuff I had. Yeah. You know, and You've I've been saving those Magnum rounds. Right. I yeah. think that is very much part and I was saving the Magnum rounds here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, think <laughs> I haven't fired one of those yet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Last resort. Um, but, but yeah, like all the Resident Evils are there, which I love. You know, yeah. Mansion I, is similar to one, but it's but it's it's it's, its own thing. It doesn't exactly. even it doesn't even do it. I think like the shotgun swap is probably the most like wink wink. You know, mm-hmm. like like that is deliberately like right. almost the same exact thing uh, as the way that's set up. Uh, but it, it's it's funny. There's so many things that like I'll do that scene and then I'll finish and think back and be like, oh, what a great fun reference there. I see what they did. Yeah. And even the structure of the house. There's even hallways. Like I'll t- I'll take a right turn somewhere and I'm like. The color palette here and where the safe room is. I wonder if this is a reference. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Probably reading way too much into it, but no. I, I, yeah, I love how not. they can exist as two different things. As a fan, I can totally be nostalgic, but it doesn't take me away from this story um, at the same time. And that's a that's a tough balance. Did you it see is. for horror we, especially? We we had on the stream the note about the house. No little Easter egg. Am I allowed to say that? I guess it doesn't like it's not, really ruin, a, it's it's not a story spoiler it's it more just, of like a note you pick up it's mm-hmm. like more who's involved in the yeah. game uh, in the attic you pick up a little document about the construction of the mansion mm-hmm. so specific, specifically like the puzzles yeah and it's uh, Trevor and someone like Industries or something and George Trevor is the one who designed the Spencer Mansion right mm-hmm. So just that that he was uh, that connection. That Did you see connection. the Arclay the photo? The mountains, yeah. It's in the, 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 main, the main the, the so main living room. You can find it like, right at the beginning of the game. It's in the main big living room, mm-hmm. and there's a yeah. poster that says Arclay Mountains, 1991. I missed it on my first playthrough. Didn't even see it. Yeah. Second time, I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the puzzles a little bit because uh, it's something that I have mixed feelings about. I think as I was going through the game, I very much enjoyed the process of getting the keys, opening specific doors, matching up the thing, um, just because it reminded me of my time and enjoyment with prior Resident Evil games. But kind of in retrospect, I was like, I didn't spend time on those puzzles for more than, you know, yeah. 20 seconds. I definitely think there, there were two missed opportunities in this game, mm-hmm. one of them being puzzles. Um the DLC, have you played the DLC? I yet? haven't, I just, I've been busy. Okay, the DLC, <laughs> separate from the game, uh, there you get, for the first batch, there's two extra VHS tapes mm-hmm. that you can access just through the menu, and then like a really, really hardcore mode where like you die in one hit, it's nuts. <laughs> but one of the tapes is an escape room. Oh, nice. And it's an entire, it's, a, it's a, 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 a big puzzle. The whole thing is just a puzzle. You are locked up on the bed, and Marguerite keeps coming in to check on you, and you have to escape the room, and it is so great, and it reminds me kind of even the uh, the beginning hour demo. There were some puzzles in there, having to right. like, watch the tape and do things. Uh, I definitely think it was a missed opportunity, and even having like one or two puzzles where you kind of would have to stop and figure it out, I think that would have done a lot. Because yeah. there's one later in the game mm-hmm. where the paintings are on the wall mm-hmm. and you just like 
match, match them. it. Yeah, you match it. It takes ten seconds. Yeah. If like I had to figure something out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that would have helped the pacing and, and, and scratched that puzzle itch. And I completely agree with you. I don't think they needed to go over. I don't think yeah. in every area I needed some elaborate puzzles, yeah. but one, maybe two, where you really have yeah. to stop and be like, okay, no, this totally. is a, a Even thing. like a classic box pushing puzzle, you know? Right. Uh, I guess thinking <laughs> about it, you do kind of have that with Lucas, but mm-hmm. I, I feel like the way that that's presented to you, yeah. it's... Yeah, yeah, that's just about... As puzzly as it gets. Yeah, it's just about it's as puzzly. It's still as kind it gets. of like, okay. It's linear. It's very linear, yeah. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, Brad, you burned through Resident Evil 7 pretty quickly. Two days. Two days. Wow, um, nice. <laughs> what did you, and you didn't play in VR? No. Uh, so that's the next thing that I want to jump into mm-hmm. after this is, is VR and that experience there and how it enhances the horror. I really believe that. Uh, a lot of people are saying that not only is this a return to form uh, in terms of, you know, tone and and gameplay, but also it were like actually scary. Yeah. Did you were you freaked out? Dude, by this I was game? terrified playing okay. this game, man. <laughs> what got to you the most? I think like just like random, like especially Jack really freaked me out. Like Jack gave me a heart attack. I felt like when I was playing this game. Yeah. Because, you know, you're walking through the mansion. Sometimes he just kind of comes out of nowhere, and the game doesn't, like, make big sounds or anything when he comes out. It's mm-hmm. like, there's, like, nothing, and you're just like, oh, my God! And you have to, like, <laughs> quick, like turn and just, oh, my God. You're feeling really helpless with him, too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Because, like, at that point, you don't have a lot. Like, you got, like, a knife and maybe a pistol. Yeah, a couple rounds. Yeah. You feel super vulnerable, you know? You do. Um... And the way they use him is is great because, he, like, you kind of go through this escape sequence with him early on, mm-hmm. um, and you you very much see it coming. Uh, but then a little later, you're just walking around and you're like, "Oh my god, he's right there!" Mm-hmm. Uh, and having him just kind of not necessarily get in your face, but see him walk around really builds up that feeling of help. And he's just like, "I found you," yeah. and you're like, "No." The crashing through the wall moment really got to me. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I will say, having played the majority of it in VR, mm-hmm. especially for a first playthrough, I can't imagine doing it another way. Mm-hmm. It just brought so much to the experience in I ways have, like, that I wasn't expecting. Very powerful images in my brain from VR mm-hmm. that I keep going back to. That will like like when, the first time I saw Avatar. I know people have mixed feelings on that, but the first time I saw it in the IMAX, yeah. it was like I kept thinking for months, just like images, you know, that yeah. just pop out at you because you're like so connected to it. Mm-hmm. And there were well, there were times in this game that that I'll never forget because of the VR for mm-hmm. sure. Uh, definitely battled motion sickness, which I never have had in my entire life. Uh, but this definitely got to me. Uh, especially the first night of playing. I had to, like, set it down after, you know, 90 minutes, two hours. Uh, but then as time went on and I had more sessions with it, it got a little more manageable. Mm-hmm. But uh, some some battles. <laughs> uh, it reminds me of PT in a way, and I want to see if you guys agree with this, where I think one of the greatest triumphs of PT was 
not just, you know, the way, like, the demo distorted itself or the jump scares from Lisa, but just standing in that hallway mm-hmm. because of how it looked, because of the way that it used sound, was was unsettling mm-hmm. in and of itself. And I feel like Resident Evil 7 very much accomplishes the same thing, mm-hmm. especially in VR. There would be times where nothing's happening, but I'm just standing in this hallway and the dim light and just the griminess of my surroundings and the occasional pounding, like, they'll just have things knock or just make weird creaking sounds, yeah. um, and they'll do it well enough that it just it got under my skin. Because it's a very quiet game. Right. Otherwise, there's no like music. There's like music in save rooms, and that's about it. You yeah. know, kind of thing. Is there music? A battle in here and there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the save room music is really good. Because oh, uh, so uh, that was one of the first things when Huber sent me the music when I was cutting the review. I like messaged him on Slack and I was like, this music, Huber, because it's very, <laughs> uh, even in the music, there's like giggling and weird echoey, yeah. like, you know, kind of like, it sounds like somebody's having a conversation, but I can't pick any words out. Um, yeah, just just top to bottom, the audio design on this was really, really well done. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, there were moments where I just caught Jack out of my periphery. Mm-hmm. Where I was just doing something and then I was turn and he's just like right like mm. just seconds away from hitting me you know i just like didn't hear him walk in the room didn't even know mm-hmm. he was there i think there was one point where like i went to a part of the house where he wasn't and was there for a long time trying to figure something out totally forgot he was walking around <laughs> and then just like walked upstairs like do like running through the house like trying to solve stuff quickly and like oh right i'm supposed to be <laughs> stealthy because yeah Ooh, jack um fighting the molded in vr mm-hmm. is just it's insane when they're coming right at you, when they're on top of you in VR, yeah. <laughs> uh, it is it is a feeling. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, because just this game has so many little touches. I think um, that that totally deserve to be praised. Because you think about the molded, and they're they're really cool enemies because of you know the different forms that they come in and like. When the the thing's arms extend for the first time, you don't expect it. You're like, whoa, this is coming right at me. Um, But when it jumps on top of you and you go into that sequence where you have to blast away at its head, um, it makes those fights interesting, Mm -hmm. uh, I would say, throughout the entire game, which I really liked. Um, I know, thinking about the narrative, like it it makes sense, but I will say one of my biggest criticisms is it, it got to a point where... The molded just weren't surprising because it was all I was fighting. I could have done with a few more enemies. Um, and thinking about, you know, the original Resident Evil, something that made it so exciting is you would go into a new area and you, you wouldn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. You know, are they gonna, is, it, is Lisa going to be here? Is it going to be a spider? I don't know. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. Do you, do you agree that you would have liked a few more enemies? Definitely a contentious point of the game is mm-hmm. enemy variety. Um I think if I hadn't played Deus Ex <laughs> last year, which I keep talking about how it changed the way I play games and the way I look at video games, I would have been more upset because enemy variety has always been such a huge thing for me mm-hmm. in video games. Uh, but because of how important it was to the narrative and the context, I was 100% okay with it. Sure. 100%. Um but like you said, I, I could I could see it going the other way and having like one extra thing, maybe like three fourths of the way or four fifths of the way through. I, the game. I, w- I wouldn't have mind some fodder at some mm-hmm. point. Like yeah. like don't give me two things that are incredibly dangerous. Give me like fifteen that aren't really. But there's a lot of mm-hmm. them. You know, like the flood. Something that it would have been fun to have. I mean, we got bugs, but like <laughs> it would have been fun to have something you know that was a little like in, in greater number. 
mm-hmm. you know, that uh, was more about precision at like a, you know, like a twitchy kind of precision where it's like, mm-hmm. I got to shoot a bunch of little things very quickly as opposed to just like, you know, Hail Mary, I hope I hit this thing's head, <laughs> you know, as close as I can. Mm-hmm. Um but but at the same time, it totally fits within the context. Even when like when we got to like the bug part, I was like, "Oh right, bugs!" Like, yeah, yeah, that was yeah. classic re. I was not expecting like a new enemy at that point. Mm-hmm. And I think the Baker family is around so long, and like you encounter all of them so much mm-hmm. that uh, again, the enemy variety didn't really get to me. Hmm. Uh, one thing that I think that is uh, reminds me of uh, Evil Within in a sense that I think we've lost a little bit. I, I'm not going to say it's necessarily good or bad. It's just different than Resident Evil Four mm-hmm. and why. I can go back and replay Resident Evil 4 anytime because there's so many enemies and the situations are set up so interestingly from like a tactical perspective and like the yeah. way you can like upgrade weapons, how powerful you can feel in that game. I just love running through it again and again and again. It's like a roller coaster. Whereas for me, Evil Within or Resident Evil 7 cater a little bit more to the story and have Fine. those like really strong story moments that like I don't know what the replayability is for RE7. Uh, I don't know if there's like New Game Plus or what, how you unlock weapons or what those weapons are. Mm-hmm. But like thinking about going back through, which I'm tempted to do and play RE7 again, I think about all of those times I would be interrupted, you know, this this playthrough, this fun period of me like getting stronger and, and getting better at, at defeating these enemies would uh, the, I'd have these speed bumps of these story moments that I'm like I'm, this isn't as impactful because I know it's about to happen or like I know this puzzle I can just run in and solve it immediately um, the pace of that is a little more restrictive in RE4 which you're shooting stuff all the time but then again I'm not saying that would have necessarily made <laughs> RE7 a better game it's just something that that uh, has changed in the series mm-hmm. it's kind of a sacrifice I think that like um, I'm less tempted it's, uh, to, to do that you know new game plus that second playthrough I beat it Four times? Right. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, I'll be at least twice. I'm pretty sure. New games coming out? Neo? Sorry. Resident Evil 7. Oh, wow. I think... I think you may regret that, but we'll see. I don't know. Um, I talk, not to get too hung up on this, but uh, just thinking more about it in my head, one of the... I think maybe the reason why the I bring up the enemy variety thing at all is because of the design. A lumbering pile of black goo just is not that interesting to me. I, I, it is absolutely justified in the story. It's appearance, how it came to be, all that stuff. There, there's context there. But uh, it's the same complaint I had with Revelations, where just these kind of... Yeah. It's just... It's not distinct. It, it doesn't... You know, like, the way that the Ouroboros looked in 4, it was like, wow, this... You can... Pin this to Los this Plagas. game. Or, I'm sorry. Yeah. Las Plagas. Sorry. My bad. No, thank you. That's a good correction. <laughs> yeah. The Las Plagas. Like, you have these giant tentacle things coming out of heads, and they were just so surprising and so unique, and it's like, yeah. you, I, whereas in 7, although they do some cool yeah. things, they there's a genericness to them totally. that I really can't overcome. Yeah. For me, it's just... The story was so strong and it's mm-hmm. so small scale and intimate. And that was probably a choice when they were going into it. You know, they mm-hmm. kept saying, like, we're going to make it so small, scale everything back, make it tight, make it intimate. And I think I think that was a sacrifice, definitely, with, with enemy variety. Um, 
one of the nice things with the des- with their design is how it takes over the environment. How you like definitely go into areas yeah. that, that also have been taken over by the the sludge. Aliens vibes. Yeah, exactly. Jones, did you some, get it? Some sort of secreted resin. <laughs> yes. Uh, thank you. But uh, and and there are areas you go back to that were you know were were kind of pristine and not pristine, but like you know didn't have that influence and then get it later. Like you go back to parts of the house and they've now kind of been invaded by that goo. Um, so that was cool to see. Yeah. But How yeah. many times did you say Goose Swanson when you played through the game? Zero times. Okay. <laughs> I, said it, I said it a couple times. Thank you. Yeah. Keep oh, the memory yeah. alive. Yeah. Uh, I do. <laughs> I guess we're, we're spoiling more than, than I expected. So I'm going to have to put a spoiler warning up. But I want to talk about the bosses really quick. Hmm. Ooh. Um, and why my favorite boss is the mutated Marguerite. Okay. Um, cool. Marguerite's I, my second favorite character in the game. I like she's amazing. She's my favorite of the three of like the the, the fam. Yes, she's my favorite as well. I, I felt like the Marguerite boss fight was truest to the rest of the game because you have this crazy spider lady crawling around and like even just her approaching me. Obviously, I have a phobia of spiders, so that yeah. could be playing into it. Yo, 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 yo. But but I do think I do think she's just just her crawling towards you mm-hmm. is. Fucked up. Yeah. Like it just <laughs> in a way. My yeah. favorite shot s- sequence in the game is right. when she grabs the lantern. And yeah. Like goes to the tunnel, like scuttles away. Yeah, and the the way that they set that yeah. up so well, but the fight itself, you know, her scurrying around, taunting you, yeah. it gets in your head, yeah. and you feel like you you kind of have to be aware of your surroundings at all times. Or when she's like trying to like birth insects, you want to go and you stop her, and it's just this really cool. Really crazy boss fight that that felt very unique to Resident Evil Seven, and while I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed pretty much every boss fight except for maybe the final one. Um, the other boss fights felt fairly traditional video gamey in a way that that I was kind of hoping for more of the vibes of that mutated Marguerite fight because cool. you think of the the one with Jack. Jack shoot the points shoot the eyes right and it's it's fine and there's love the, that fight. and he's very strong <laughs> I love yeah it. it's it's an entertaining fight I'm not trying to say that it's bad but yeah. it didn't quite reach Have the, the highs creativity in right oh uh, that's why I like right. the first one because you can do that encounter a couple different yeah. ways which is super oh, man. cool yeah. yeah that's true the, that, that the, is the a first unique one. fight yes yeah, first that's true. person video game that's yeah. true <laughs> like I did not expect any of that to happen when yeah. I was yeah. doing that actually had one of the single most horrific images that I saw on the game that really that you were talking about you were like those 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 mm, photographs yeah. in your mind yeah um uh the the fact that you can you know do away with parts of jack and he'll still keep coming at you there's one point where like his face had basically all pretty much been removed and it just his eyes were kind of poking out of like you know like pulpy like bloody flesh and he got really close to me and like <laughs> to have these like eyeballs inside of a mound of just viscera like have expression was like Whoa! you know was like I just I remember like when Doom 3 was first pitched and they were like oh yeah you'll be able to rip these things apart and I was like oh I can't wait and then played it was like not really like yeah. not what I was expecting especially with like a game that has a chainsaw mm-hmm. and this game was like finally like yes we're here and that's why like that's what I think is one of the biggest um uh, success stories of this game, especially being in first person, is the expressions of Mia when she freaks out, of you know all these bosses when they get close to you. And not to jump on the topic, but uh, my absolute favorite character in the game, I think my favorite thing about Resident Evil Seven is Grandma. I, like she is, <laughs> she's great, incredible. Like mm. for a for, for for this day and age, for how long the survival horror, just the horror genre, for like where we've come from, Alone in the Dark until now. For them to have this idea and implement it the way they did, and 
um, uh, not to take over the conversation for a second, but like this is just my my favorite thing about this game is how it contextualizes the absurdity of going through this experience. Like that, this it doesn't make sense in any way that somebody would have to put up with this. That like the door would lock and you're like, oh well, I guess I got to go through this whole thing. It's like no, find a chair and get, break the door down and get out of here, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it having to trap you and have you like you know get to the point where you think oh, yes, of course I'm trapped and so therefore I'm scared and. Even going back and playing remake, there's still some parts of that that don't make sense for me contextually. And anything in this game where I'm like, well, this well, is a, I'm like, like this what? is you got, you, you got to point it out, you got to point it out. Just, um, <laughs> well, just, just the fact that you, that you can't break a window, stuff like that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Like um, that is still present in this game, but like anything where I'm like, well, that's absurd, that's insane. And it's like, well, yeah, it is insane. Like they are, in, they are insane. Well, a, a case in point. Just how the that the the Spencer Mansion's built. Like there are some rooms. I'm like, what what is this room? Like who what what is done in this room? You know, like why was this room built? When they laid down the structure of this, where that you know, aside from just this will be a fun puzzle that'll trap people. Like does this room actually have a function? Where every single room, everywhere you go in that game, you know, reeks of like that hoarder. You know, like. Uh, um, just somebody who's completely let their house go. Like, I've been in houses like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, uh, to me, further adds to the creep. And uh, it's continually commenting on the fact that, I don't know, the absurdity of that experience, I think, is, like, very evident. And I think a lot of the, even, like, the gameplay elements kind of cater to that reality. And it, and it seemed like they really just kind of took the franchise and, and, and looked, took it as a blank slate. And we're like, if we're going to have these gameplay elements in there, why? You know, like if you're going to shoot, you know, Jack a bunch of times and he's not going to die, why? And like, what if his skin regenerates? What if that's actually his ability? You know, and if like this, if we want the person to climb around on walls and ceilings, why? And it's like, OK, well, that's going to factor into her personality and her character. And then we're going to, you know, create the entire story around that. And the fact that there's this woman who is in impossible places, you know, who, who moves around this game, just like your items do in item boxes, where it's like, Grandma, there's no way <laughs> that like, yeah. you got from wherever you were into this room and are just chilling there quietly. And I thought, like, oh, the, you know, Grandma died and it's this corpse. And it's like, no, she's alive. And her eyes are all glassed over and she mm-hmm. follows you. And she doesn't follow you really fast. If you move real fast, it takes her a while to, like, move her head over to, like, where you're at. Mm-hmm. Chilling. Like... If I play, I haven't played this in VR. If I did, I would I would stare at her for a half an hour. <laughs> I, did. I did for half hour. No, half hour. But oh, I, like man. everything, I would just stare at. Yeah, for so long. absolutely, oh, absolutely. The one final thing I want to talk about with Resident Evil Seven before we move on that I I think is a big point of praise, not only of Resident Evil Seven, but I I realized just how great it feels in the entire series and mm-hmm. why I think Resident Evil Seven or Resident Evil is is above almost any other survival horror series is inventory management Mm -hmm. and how it's used here because I love, oh my gosh. They strike this amazing balance where every room I went in, and I wanted to pick up everything. I don't know if you guys were the same way, but it's like, I want to walk around and make sure I'm grabbing everything Mm -hmm. and having to make hard choices where I'm like, okay, I might use this health item here even though I don't really need to to clear up space to get this ammo. Should I combine these things to save room? All of these interesting decisions, and I think... When you actually do get into a situation where enemies are surprising you or something's in your face or you get to that boss fight, I I feel like you're kind of more connected to it because you made choices like how prepared you are for this fight, whether you win or succeed, or or, sorry, whether you win or lose, is is kind of down to what you put in that grid. Yeah. And it it makes it more personal in a way, don't you think? Yeah, the I love that the chem fluid does health and ammo right uh so that resource is 
the most valuable or thing in the super game. Super health or mm-hmm. super ammo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's when you get that strong chem fluid. You're like, oh, yeah. What do I and it's like, on? What do I make with this? But they're they're really smart decisions with how they balance the inventory. Like I I love that you can pretty much just stack antique coins infinitely, right? Because that that kind of makes sense. It'd be mm-hmm. annoying if you could only stack like three and you had a bunch yeah. of antique coins taking up spots. But you can only stack three first yeah. uh, first aid. For the med kits, bottles, the bottles, yeah. yeah, that you splash in your arm. I love that animation. Cool. Yeah, it's great. Um, <laughs> but because th- there were times where it's like, well, do I want to have six and take up two spots, or is it better to just have three mm-hmm. and go in? And oh man, and they you get inventory upgrades, but I never felt like it was at a point where I didn't have to worry about inventory. Like I mm-hmm. found a backpack, I did upgrade my inventory, and that felt good. It felt like it accomplished something, but it. it Inventory never became trivial mm-hmm. for me. Totally. Did it become trivial for you? No, I love it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought item placement was perfection. Mm-hmm. Vintage Resident Evil. Uh, the totally. only the only Resident Evil game I've ever had problems with item management is Resident Evil Zero. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think it's... Oh, of course. Well, that's uh, it. Yeah. It's just... They not, thought they were being clever with that. No. Yeah, they were like, too much. Yeah, items will be the horror in this game. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I think the placement has... Is, every, every placement is thought out. Are there any final, final, final thoughts that the panel would like to share regarding Resident Evil 7 before we move on? I can be negative for just two seconds. Please, If sure. we want to not just say amazing things about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Lucas was a little bit much for me. I think mm-hmm. Lucas's dialogue could have used another another run through the, the grinder. I don't know. Like, I just, I thought Jack was very intimidating. I thought Marguerite was just perfect. Like, Marguerite even her first introduction at the table, like, freaking out and running out of the room. Um, and when she shows up later and just, like... Um, I don't know. I thought everything that they said was really great, and then it, you know, they they build up to Lucas, and then like he, you know, comes in over the TVs and calling me, and I'm just like, shut up, dude. Like I'm, the, I'm just not scared of this guy. I eventually was very much so. Like you know, I, I liked a lot of times he actually showed up in person. Mm-hmm. You know, would be on like the other side of a door and would say something. I thought those moments were very affecting. But like anytime he was recorded and they gave him like, here's five minutes of Lucas. I was just kind of like, okay, come on. Like, I agree with you on the presentation of his dialogue 100%. Um, love his character. Love, love the idea of his character, for sure. Learning about him, like going into his room mm-hmm. and and figuring out that history, yeah. mm-hmm. I love that. I thought that was extremely well done. Yeah. Yeah. Context. Engineering. I think it was, yeah, yeah. specifically mm-hmm. the dialogue. Sure, yeah. Because it was very jokery. It was very a little over the top. Little 60s TV Batman. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, any... any any fire you want to spit about Resident Evil 7? Hmm. I don't know, man. It just... Because my expectations from Resident Evil have just been, like, diving. Sure. Because, like, 6, like... 6 just really killed me, you know? Yeah. And then I screwed you with Revelations, too. Screw you. Me, be, I had to be uh, Moira. Yeah. And the little girl, which you're just boring to play as. <laughs> Revelations 2. It's but a not, player game. But you're not... Not gonna be Barry. Well, I had to review it. So yeah. Right. Sure that's also it, that. so that's like, right, I'll take sure. the hit kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But, I love, but, but I'm gonna be buried. My yeah. favorite thing about Resident Evils are the environments. Mm-hmm. And one reason I love one is because the mansion is my favorite location, almost in any video game, probably. Yeah. And Resident Evil yeah. 7 really scratches that itch for me. Mm-hmm. And it had nice surprises in environments, too, like different environments that I really thought were really cool. Where I wasn't like, man, this sucks. I don't really want to be here mm-hmm. kind of environment. So that's like a huge bonus for me. Brad, I, I got a question I want to throw at you real quick. Sure. Because. Um, I, I have an opinion about this, and I want to get your take. You're right. I think 
I liked Revelations 2, but if you know you could compare it to 6 in kind of the general direction of the series, I, I don't think we expected Resident Evil 7 to be as great no. as it is no. or love it as much as we did. However, imagine a world where there were no bad Resident Evil games mm-hmm. and our expectations were very high. Mm-hmm. I still think we would be extremely impressed by Resident Evil 7. I still think this is like, yeah. Like, um, I'm, when I'm looking at this game, I'm comparing it to the old ones now. Yeah. Because it's, like, that good, you know? And I think it compares favorably. Yeah, it does. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm like which one, where would I put this now? Is right. this top yeah. three or something like that now? I did that yeah. in my head, and I still have not settled on a ranking. I don't know if you have. I refuse. Okay. Oh, to rank them? <laughs> but I'm just, I, I'm, yeah, if I was to say one final comment on this game, I'm so proud. Like, I think well, the third or fourth time I played it, and I booted the game up, and they showed the Capcom logo, I was like, Good job, Capcom. I was yeah. just so proud of them. Like, right. you know, to in, in the absence of PT to step in, and like that might not be the reason why you changed it, but to like understand the complaints that happened from Six and what Konami did with that, you know, this amazing game we almost got, and then like to fully realize it, to 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 play on my expectations from the the trailers that we you know saw to really kind of set it up, especially with all those demos. Like, this is what this game is. Yeah. And then you get into it, and it's totally different. Like. All those crazy surprises, how raw it is, how damn gorgeous it is, like how you can really just get up close to anything and totally Take holds up. The fact that, the, that the, this franchise that I first started to play was called Resident Evil, and I, I think that's, I would love to do like a, a class on Japanese versus American horror culture, and mm-hmm. like the fact that Resident Evil and Biohazard, those words actually really sum them up, you know, that like, for, you know, and I'm not, I'm not like, getting to any Japanese person's head and being like, this is why you're scared of Resident Evil. But I think as a culture, they tend to uh, be more afraid of like science, you know, like, you know, that's, it's like, that's why it's called biohazard. It's like, there's the science went wrong. Whereas in like America, it's like all these zombies are up in my house, you know? So it's kind of, that's kind of like, that's why I think it was called one versus the other. And this to me is kind of (laughs) recapturing that, that, that house vibe. You actually get like You don't belong here. This is not where, this is not where you live you know, uh, you're, you are trespassing on someone else. Every time you open a door, yeah, you're happy because you get puzzle pieces and stuff like that. But like that, the icky feeling when you get into their 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 bedrooms and mm-hmm. uh, and and every time you, there's a staircase going down, it's like ugh, you know, like I don't want to get deeper yeah. into this twisted world. I um, love that it's it's the combination of East and Western horror, mm-hmm. yeah, to a T. And I think yeah. that is why it was you know mm-hmm. having having the, the double title like you were saying is just so cool because it's like this marriage of. Resident Evil Biohazard, and we're gonna get we're gonna get both types of horror. Um, I love just I take Resident Evil Resident Evil's plot so seriously. I think when I first met you, Ben, we like talked obviously about our favorite games and stuff, and yeah. I just always talked about Resident Evil. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yeah, I don't think people really play Resident Evil for the plot, or like I you don't I, I don't you were like you I, I, don't. I still don't really yeah. play it for the plot. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, like I love yeah. the characters and the world and the fact that this story's been going on for over a decade now and <clears throat> Resident Evil seven just especially after six, Resident Evil Seven put the this uh, plot back on track in such a meaningful way for me. I think just it, really driving home like bioterror and all these organizations, uh, you know, kind of yeah, it went, vying for these bioweapons. Because the other ones were like just going nuts, like expanding yeah. way too far. This yeah, one too just kind of dials it real yeah, back in, absolutely. which is real nice. Absolutely. Into the absolute beginning of it all, like bio weapons mm-hmm. I want to talk to you about the the plot of Resident Evil and it's it's not that like I was like oh no one can really get into the story of Resident Evil it's mm-hmm. just the way that I approached Resident Evil it was like I enjoy the story as it's happening but I didn't really think too much about it and yeah. your enthusiasm and your knowledge of it yeah. made me want to dig in a lot more mm-hmm. and like I was 
more invested in finding every file in Resident Evil 7 and understanding nice. and put all the pieces together because it was like, no, like Huber yeah. showed me <laughs> that this will make it more fun. I, I know, like, you, you, we always say, like, we throw Dark Souls around so much. I know. I well, know we do. But, like... <laughs> There's a good reason. I've said I've said it in the past, like... I blame you. The Resident Evil <laughs> lore me. reminds me so much of Dark Souls in a way that, like, you walk into a room and the room says so much. Like, you can fill in so many gaps just by, like... Staring and at the, a room, yeah. and, and you're right. You know, but my mind immediately <laughs> flashes to Chris punching a boulder. I know. Like, oh, no, I you're, know. you're right. right. <laughs> just I mean, Jill Sandwich. It's right. it's it's awesome that we've come 20 years, you know, from Jill Sandwich to this point where like these characters are saying something, and I'm legitimately not only interested in them, but like I don't really understand what you. There's more to that. There's a mystery in what you just said. Mm-hmm. You know, like. You know, that's some subtext right there. And, yeah. like, not a lot of subtext in one through, you know, four, five, six. Sure. It's all pretty much, yeah, right there. Are we ready to move on? We're ready. Almost. Okay. Well, okay. We, were, <laughs> we're we were talking about... So good. We were talking about... <laughs> Thanks for watching, everybody. Dark Souls. And now we're going to talk about something that can be very easily compared to Dark Souls. Unfortunately, and we, we might keep this short just to uh, have another conversation later on, but oh, I'm... You better be careful. <laughs> I don't want anything ruined. No, I'm not going to ruin anything. Um, Neo's one of those games where you could tell me everything and I wouldn't mind. I, as, <laughs> as far as Weird, story I spoilers, I, I think Neo is dangerously close to it's you cannot, yeah, you cannot spoil this. I'm more worried about like certain encounters yeah. that are surprising. That's like what I'm really yeah. I will, yeah, that's Or like the, certain uh, scenarios that are like... Like right, yeah. Like seeing that big ass tree in Dark Souls Three. Yeah, it's yeah. like I'd like to save that moment. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. I will be. I'll be mindful of really, really, really cool moments because yeah. there are a lot of them. Um, I will. I'll try to speak generally. Um, we're going to be talking about Neo a lot. I'm assuming on the next couple of frame traps. So I just want to. Now that I've the thing is, is like I'm finally at a point in Neo where I have played a ton of it, the final version, mm-hmm. and I feel like I have a very good understanding Excellent. of what and this right, game yeah. is and how deep. And it this goes. will be great actually because I'm probably not going to be on frame trap for a couple weeks, probably uh, maybe like a month maybe. or so. Who knows? And like. Like we I got Wildlands and Horizon coming up, so I'm going to be focused on that. Yeah. So then I'll probably get to Neo like end of February, beginning of March, come Me back too. on Frame Trap and be like, hey, here's my month late, you know. Me too, Jones. I'm with on you on that. Yeah. Can I use the restroom? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> uh, Neo will consume you. I, in like, <laughs> the most beautiful way possible. It is It is in a really beautiful way. Um, and oh, I have so much to say about it that I don't know where to start, but maybe the best place to start it off is... I'm, I'm, it is, Neo is as good as I imagined it would be. Having played the so alpha, that's very, that's the beta, good, last chance trial, and having played at events. Like, we, we actually got to play so much of Neo beforehand, and it seemed like a really great game. And all of us were very enthusiastic about it. It's nice, you know, 50 hours in to be able to say, nope, it is that good. <laughs> but, despite how much I'm enjoying it, and I, I really am. I'm loving every mm-hmm. second. It's all I'm thinking about. It's all I want to keep playing. Every time I finish a mission, I'm like, I need to take a break. Yeah. Just because it's it's so... It's not even that it's that hard and I want to talk about the difficulty, but it's just every mission demands your full attention. Yeah, it takes a lot out of you. It it's does. It's deep. Right. Well, I mean, that game is deep. It's like beating like a, <laughs> an area in Souls or whatever. You know, you go through an area and you beat a boss. You're right. just like... Ooh, I need to take a quick break or something like that. Yeah, and I, I feel like in Dark Souls, uh, there are sort of these natural break points. Yes, like there are. Like, you think about... 
the hubs where you think about like where you're going and you'll just have sections where you're talking to an NPC for a little bit. There are these moments where you can kind of mentally collect yourself. That's not really how Neo works. Yeah. Uh, you're you're in a level and the levels are very densely packed. They're not that big, but you can spend a lot of time yeah. in them. And I want to get back to that. But everything there kills you. There's really no one you need to talk to. And then when you beat oh, it. Oh, really? Kind of. Okay. We can We can touch on that too. Uh, and then when you beat it, you just kick back out into like this map, and you select another level. Oh, really? Yeah. Back to a level? Oh, yes. Well, you the can go back like to a level, and in fact, you I don't, I should go back to, to level. To grind up. To grind up. Yeah. So there's there's a lot to unpack here. It's like Tenchu. It actually looks exactly like oh, the, the okay. Tenchu map. Right. So there there is no collective hub. There is no safe haven really. Um, in really, the same way. Really broad consoles, question. The, yeah. only, the only real question I have is how much different is it than the beta? Do you, do you feel any immediate polish or changes? It is. Or does it feel the same as, as the beta? Because the beta felt great. We Did you all, play the Last oh, Chance kidding, Trial? Yeah. I missed the Last Chance okay, Trial. Okay, so it feels pretty much identical to the Last Chance Trial. Okay. Um, it's, it is extremely polished. Yeah, yeah I, I have not run into any technical issues whatsoever. Um, oh, good. It, oh, it feels good. Um... <laughs> The, the areas that you're in, and if you've played the beta, you, you've probably got a good sense of this as well, where uh, when you, if you just run through them, you actually realize that they're extremely small. Like you can, yeah. you can kind of get to beginning and end very quickly, but how enemies are placed and how just every corner has something for you to find and the design, the level design, is so on point. I was really, really, really worried that I would eventually get to a point where it kind of felt like everything was an arena and I just had to kill the enemies, get to the boss, and get to the end. Well, that's true in a general sense. There are just a bunch of enemies. You have to kill them. You find items. You get to the boss. You beat it. Mm -hmm. How they mix it up, the things that they throw at you. So I'm going to say a level spoiler here, but it's it's not like a big moment that I'm Okay, really. You're... Basically, in this, like, place where a bunch of ships are wrecked, and there's, like, this shrine, and, like, it's a, you're in the middle of the ocean, essentially, and you're just kind of, like, navigating these very narrow wooden walkways, and so you're fighting these giant yokai, and your natural inclination is when they come to attack, you want to back up, mm -hmm. and then you fall to your death. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think about space in a way... I'm getting uh, Sin's Fortress and, flashbacks right sure, now. Sure, yeah. Sin's Fortress, is that Dark Souls 1? Yeah. But that's that's another strength of Dark Souls that I would argue is also present in Neo, where the way that the levels are designed, how you approach it has to change pretty dramatically. No, I love that. Yeah. One of the things that I enjoyed from the demo about the way the levels were constructed, because you said they're not that big, but I like right. that they were, a lot of times you would start like right next to where you're gonna finish, but there's mm -hmm. just a giant barrier in between then, so you kinda have to like go out into the world, and then a lot of times you'll like, you drop down a ladder, open up a door that'll now give you access. Shortcuts. So you can see the whole thing. Classic Love shortcuts. Love the shortcuts, mm -hmm. But in, in, in like being an open world freak, you know, getting uh, that elevation to where I can get to a point and actually look at the whole place. Like that moment where you, you know, in the very first environment where you push out and you see the dock and you can see the ship over there in the whole town. That's the whole thing. You're looking at the entire area, mm -hmm. but it's going to take you three hours to like <laughs> get to the point where you're like, okay, I've now killed everything in this area. I've gotten all the items. I'm ready to just get to that boss and move on. And so just kind of this, this celebration of like, it's like the dioramas that we built, you know, like <laughs> yeah. being able to just get a clear picture of like, oh, that's cool. That's that. That was that zone. I've kicked its ass. I'm ready to move on. Yeah. Well, talking about, uh, 
beating a zone and moving on, something that I was worried about is you you've got you've got main missions, you've got submissions, and then you've got twilight missions. And for these non-main missions, a lot of them take place in the exact same areas that you've been. And you think that that's a cause for concern. And I would say early on, the submissions are kind of eh, where they're they're a little too straightforward. Even though they were using the same areas, a lot of the submissions are some of my favorite moments in the game just because of how they surprise you and how they mess with the structure of that game and, and what they have you do. Um, and a lot of them are extremely short in a really good way where you'll run through a submission in five minutes and complete it and feel good about it. And you're like, oh, I could actually do that a couple more times because every mission has a level associated with it. And I'm especially at a point now where I will do everything on the map and I'm still two or three or four levels below the recommended <laughs> level. Right. And I can go and I could try on that main mission or I have all of these different objectives that I can also revisit and try again to get more. I am so <laughs> intimidated by Neo. I'm so intimidated. I don't think you um, should be. Just the volume of it. It's, sure, it's a combination of the difficulty and yeah. the volume. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I beat all the Dark Souls and Bloodborne. It's like, I can do it. It's just going to be a big commitment, but I love that it's broken up into missions uh, because you can just, you know, at least my brain, that's how kind of my brain sure. is looking at it, is to where I can like, all right, I'll tackle this mission, tackle this like one. Check it off yeah. or something. Yeah, kind of like chip away at it rather than, holy crap, 90 <laughs> hours of, yeah. you know, oh, 90 hours of this insanity. Yeah. If I can just do one at a time. Do mm-hmm. you like that structure? Or would you prefer if it were more... Open-ended, like, souls. I I do. I. It's weird because in Souls slash Bloodborne, the way areas kind of unravel and become very different. Like, there, there's a moment, I think, in every Souls game where I start an area and it's a certain way, and then by the end, it's a very different thing and seeing that progression. And you actually have some story missions in Neo that are like that, where you go, you, like, fight a big thing, and then the mission keeps going. Like, there's one where you're at a castle and then you go underneath that castle and it feels like two different halves. Cool. And having them be connected is really cool. But that doesn't happen all that often. Um, and so I, I'm a little bit torn in a way, like having that mission completes thing come up. I'm like, yeah, I feel good. I can go back. I can level up my dude. It's it's nice and those natural breakpoints are nice. Mm-hmm. But I do think about what a Neo would look like if it was one big continuous world as well. Yeah. Neo 2. Neo 2. Neo 2, <laughs> yeah. Neo 2. Uh, I want to talk about the difficulty, and I do want to compare it specifically to Souls. In The combat is so great, and it's very different from Souls, and I think what makes it so great is the amount of options that you have available. And I think to a new player, it's actually very overwhelming, way, way more overwhelming than souls is initially just yes. because of how much you can the do. Stances are just like, Whoa. Yeah. Hold the, up. <laughs> the stances, but like the key regeneration, like getting yeah, mastering yeah. that is the most important fundamental skill that you can do. I love that mechanic. I love it too. And not only because you like restore your stamina and present, prevent yourself from getting into that state where you're exhausted and the enemy will kill you. But because you fight, you eventually fight so many yokai that they create these pools, these like demon pools, and the only way you can purify them is by using the key recovery at the right time. And you have to do that. 
you have to purify those things. Otherwise, your stamina is just going to be drained and you can't handle it. Uh, but you can punish enemies way more than you can in a Souls game. Really? Because you can see their stamina. And if you're fighting oh. somebody with an axe, a couple of swings, and their their stamina is almost gone. Which means if you go up and you strike them, even if they block it, they'll be in that exhausted state, and you can do a final blow on them. And doing that dance of baiting out attacks, hitting them, like it, wanting them to block so you can strain, drain their stamina even more, having the different stances, like there are enemies that crawl around on the ground, and I'm wielding an axe... I can't hit them in mid-stance, so I have to use high stance to do a downward swing, and just, there are different enemies that are like that, where you'll Mm want to use a different stance for a specific thing, figuring that out, knowing to punish, Um, and how good ranged weapons are. It's actually something I love. Oh, really? Ranged weapons are are absurdly powerful. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's like the opposite of Souls games. Right. Exactly. Um, So, if you... You get a bunch of ranged weapons. You get a bow, you get a hand cannon, you get a rifle. Well, hand, hand cannon. Hand cannon, yeah. Hand cannon. Yeah, I haven't seen cool. a shotgun, no. <laughs> not not for this time period, unfortunately, I don't think. But um, a lot of enemies, what's a good strategy is to get to a high vantage point and just snipe off their heads. And a lot of the weaker enemies, especially, you can kill in one shot. Cool. But even better than that is the giant yokai, the yokai just, that just soak up the damage... If you catch them off guard and shoot them in the head, you'll drain all of their stamina. They'll fall over. You can run up and hit oh, them Oh, really? The that's really so cool. So that's a great strat. And if you're really a coward, eventually this <laughs> becomes ineffective. But unlike the alpha, these giant yokai actually won't chase you very far. And so you can do an absurd amount of damage with them. They'll chase after you, run away. Then you shoot them in the head again and you just keep Chief fighting sense, them, yeah. basically. Um, but like, there are times where... Range weapons are so good that, like, an enemy will jump away from me. I'll pull out my bow really quick and hit him in the head. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're a tool that I think every build wants to use, as opposed to Dark Souls, where that's not always the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and you also have ninjutsu, and you also have magic. Uh, and even if you don't want to go hardcore on those builds there are certain enemies where you're just your weapon and even a boss where your weapon will just do nothing mm-hmm. and you need some sort that. of elemental damage really? to back that up oh. yeah yeah um that's interesting that was one of the big things i didn't explore in the in the demo that i'll have to like pay attention when i hit those tutorials yeah um and the way i'm not i'm not going to ruin it but like there are mimics there are hidden walls like you would expect in a Souls game, but they have their own little Neo twist good, on them. Good, uh, that I That I really appreciate. Um, can you tell me about the online in this game? So, <laughs> no, not really, okay. because it's pre-release, and I'm just struggling to can find anybody me, to like, play with. how mechanics work in it, necessarily? Yeah, like, can, can you explain, like... So what? PvP is not in the game yet. So, but do you know if it's going to be, like, people invade you kind of thing like that? Or it's, like, or how it was in the beta or whatever you, like, pick I mean, some... I don't know. I can only evaluate what's there. There's there's, there's, there's zero there. PvP whatsoever. Um, you can you can summon people, in okay. like, just like, just like you can in Souls. Is it exactly, like, the same kind of way? I mean, it's not... You don't put, like, a, a sign, on the ground. sign down. You, like, you go to a shrine and you summon a visitor. And oh, they okay. come in. Okay. And you can go through the entire level. Together. That's cool. Yeah. Hmm. Co-op. 
Yeah, but I have not Share since with my review copy. I haven't summoned a visitor yet because there's no one. Well, there are there, people it's playing, just but it's just find. it's a very small pool. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other questions about Neo? Hmm. How many How, hours are you in? I'm like fifty hours in. And you're not done. Not done yet. I'm two thirds of the way. I would say. Like this is my 2017. You game. get. I'm I think finishing the, this in September. Yeah, you have to. It's gonna be nice. I think the final mission, from what I've seen, just based online, on online postings, it's like 145 is the recommended level, which just feels level like level 145. Which feel like it just feels like it's really. I could be wrong on that. I could be. It's just internet things that I've seen, so I can't verify it. I just want to say my before I finally play it. One of my favorite things compared to uh, an outside Souls person, someone who has not really spent a lot of time in the Souls franchise and who loved Bloodborne, mm-hmm. uh, and the difference that I can tell from the enemy types. And you know, granted, I'm a big Onimusha fan, big Tenchu fan, so like I like the I love the aesthetic. But to me, a lot of times when I'm in Bloodborne, I feel like I'm fighting a video game. I feel like okay, there's this huge boss. I don't know what the heck this thing is. Is that an arm? Is that a leg? I don't know. It's just this giant immovable force that I just have to not get killed by and just try to scrape away enough damage. Whereas like the majority of the enemies I'm fighting in Neo, like I feel like I'm fighting something that's staring at me. That's like actually adjusting its combat and actually has an attitude about how we're fighting. And like yeah. to me, like you were talking about intimidation. Like to me, that's why Neo just really gets in my face because. These things just, I don't know, their presence just feels uh, a little more, a little, little creepier, a, a little, little more, more adaptive, more aggressive yeah. to, to, to me in a, in a personal way. It has more character mm. than, than a lot of these just, you know, like crazy, like, what the <laughs> hell is that? You know, which has its place, yeah, which, yeah, sure. which I think should be, that's how Bloodborne should work. Like, right. I should be horrified playing that. Whereas I didn't really get a lot of horror <laughs> in Neo, just like, just this raw fear. Anytime I saw those pools, I was like, oh no, what's going to come flying out of this thing? There are these spiders that will jump on your face and stab you in, with their pointed legs. That's pretty terrifying. Um, <laughs> nice. Yeah, Jones, you speak to a really good point. Uh, the readability of Neo is, you know, I think you can make the same, the exact same argument with Souls, but it's just comparing it to other video games, action games, whatever you will like I when I fight in so many enemies in so many other video games you just don't have to think about it you just you impulsively act until they're dead yeah whereas in Neo it, it sits you down and says no these different types of enemies you can't just go for it you have to figure them out and I think the yokai are a perfect example of that because when they have their key when they have their stamina uh, they don't you, when you hit them they don't recoil they can, they can brush that shit right off. Like, you slam them in the face with the axe, and they will continue their attack. And so you have to figure out where are the openings here and respond accordingly. And you get to a point where, like, early on, fighting those yokai, like, they felt like a boss. And I was yeah. just like, oh, my God, I can't, I can't keep fighting these things. It's so hard. It takes, you know, I used all my healing potions. I've used so many resources. I can't keep doing this. Now I'm at a point where I can fight three or four at once without using anything other than my weapon. Yeah. And it's just because you learn how to read the game, and it's so, so satisfying. Um, and it does... Like, I've never felt bullshitted in Neo. I know this is a classic thing to say about the Souls games. It's a cliche thing to say. But every attack has a tell. And it's super easy to figure out. Mm-hmm. Like every boss that I've fought, and all of them have been dramatically different. Like you have that first run where you die, but you learn. And like I, I don't know. I just there's never been a death 
where I'm like, all right, game. The, like, like the camera hasn't really screwed me over. Um, cheese hasn't like nothing has like surprised me and killed me or anything like that. It's just you're earning every victory, and that's that's a great thing to be able to say. I think we should all stream Neo. Every ally. I think we should do one week where we all put a couple hours in. Sure. At different points in the game. Mm-hmm. That's funny. I'm being a one, one stream, dude. One play <laughs> Full play through Friday. Yeah. Um, I don't want to talk... The last thing I want to say about Nia, I don't want to talk specifically about the story. I don't want to spoil any story elements. But um, the story is haphazard at best. <laughs> Team Ninja. Like, almost to the point where I'm enjoying it because of how random it is like things just happen for no reason and i i've been reading all of the supplemental lore all of the information and it still so doesn't make any yeah, sense like it's like it's like they made a game and just like threw things in it there's yep. a there's a point yep. where you're you're going through this entire level by yourself and then you get to a cutscene. And there's like all of there's like three friends around you. And it's like how did they get there? <laughs> yeah. There's there's not a lot of effort placed into context or transitions even. It just feels all over yeah, the place. Yeah, I think they're just like let's just focus on this being really fun. Sure. Mostly. Yeah, and it, you don't you don't need it. But like those betas weren't ironing out the story. Let's right. put it that way. Yeah, for I mean, sure. <laughs> it's just it's just humorous. It's way more than I expected from Team Ninja already. Mm-hmm. So sure. I think that's a good sign. There's a flaw. Good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I have one question. Yes. How do like the build varieties feel? Like, mm-hmm. do you feel it's like a huge difference for you using light armor compared to heavy armor? Do you feel like you play way different using one weapon than compared to another weapon? Yeah, you do. I all of that stuff matters, um, especially the weapons. And I haven't found a weapon yet where I'm like, okay, there's no, there's no use for this. Like this is trash. Um, I haven't gotten, I haven't because you kind of have to build your character around it. I haven't really dug into ninjutsu and the magic as much as I would like mm-hmm. before publishing the review. But I have messed around with all of the weapons, and it. It feels incredibly well balanced. Good. To the point where, like, everything, even the things that I, I my own personal preference, there are significant drawbacks to those things. I, I don't think there's, I don't think there's, like, a clear meta-defining weapon yet, Not at yet. least that I've seen. But... <laughs> right, I'll find it. Not yeah. yet. Yeah, <laughs> the way, like, the way they balance speed and power, um, range, uh the different skills that you can get for each weapon, like, they're all very, 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 very interesting to use um, to the point where I don't... I think it would be actually really unwise for you to early on be like, okay, I'm just going to use the katana the whole time. Mm -hmm. Not saying the katana isn't a great weapon. It is. It's very well-rounded. But Neo is a game that, because the weapons are so well-balanced, it encourages and rewards the ex- experimentation. In Bloodborne, I really did not pay attention to armor. I just kind of wanted I just wanted to see those stats right. go up. I was I was just like health strength, health strength every time. Like I don't care. I'm not dex- dexing out and doing weird weapon combos. And I saw blade the whole game. Yeah, you know, like I was just gonna say that actually. Every now and then I would change stuff out, but I was like, I'm putting all of these like items that I'm collecting exactly. into one weapon. I'm, I'm just gonna dump them all into one thing and make it as strong as I possibly can. Well, Neo you could could be the strongest weapon in the game you picked. Neo in the in, in both the demos that 
I played was extremely meticulous about armor. Would change. I remember like was really meticulous about my feet because I wanted speed. Like I, I remember like slowing down at one point, and being like, "What the heck is happening?" And I was like, "Oh, I, okay. I'm only gonna stick. I'm not doing anything with three. I'm only just gonna do the two prong like yeah. you know armor things to like manage my weight." And first game of that ilk that made me do a heavy weapon ever. Like first game where like I got that big axe and I was like, "Sure, I'll give this to." Ooh, I like this a yeah. lot. <laughs> it's so funny because like. I rarely I go people, heavy. Even in like something like a Dragon Age or something, like I'm always quick. The, I, always I know people always give me... is incredible. It's great. It's so <laughs> funny because people always joke around that I'm always like, all right, heavy armor, axe, yeah. big brute, strength, no matter what, every time. Neo may be the first game where I'm like, dude, it just feels right using that katana, man. <laughs> it just feels right. I mean... Everything feels I, right. <laughs> I, I, yes. I, the yes. axe, the axe feels right to me. I don't know. I don't know what the, the I just, argument I, I, is there. From the beta, I just really like the sword. It just felt, yeah, felt so good. Yeah, it's the reason why I've made the axe my main weapon is the amount of damage that you get. Um, like it's not as fast as other weapons, but because you can do like the perfect dodge roll, um, and because you still have a lot of mobility, like. Charging forward, doing one attack, dodging out. Like, you're just taking off, like, chunks of health at a time, and it feels so good. Whereas with the katana, like, you really need to get in there and get, like, three or four slashes in. Um, I don't know. The, but, like, the katana is good in other ways. I just, <laughs> use everything. Use everything. Yeah. Um, is there a halberd? Polearm? There's a... Yeah, there's there's spears that you can use. Yeah, there's a spear in the beta. <laughs> um, I actually I think... The spear is incredible. It's so good. <laughs> every yeah. every weapon menu is so like, good. It's yeah, it is. It is I remember you being excited about that the first time you ever played Neo. I remember watching you stream and you were like, I think I like the spear combo. Yeah. <laughs> will will Ian be able to line. get through the game if he only uses dual wield? Yeah, the dual katanas are great. Mm-hmm. And he could mm-hmm. use it the whole game? Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. He's pumped. <laughs> yeah, the dual katanas are great. A lot of the skills that you get for the dual katanas are awesome because. Uh, like it has a really good dash forward. It's extremely Ooh, quick. Catch them off guard, and then you can go into your combo cool. um, and do like crazy backflip shenanigans and all that stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, what? Yeah. What? Talking about the weapons real quick, you can also get really obsessive about the blacksmith stuff. So depending on the rarity of your gear, it will have like slots essentially that will give you certain bonuses. You can reforge those bonuses. And keep doing it until you get like this perfect stat layout. Oh um, God! Once you max out your familiarity, <laughs> you can. Here, yeah, we're, we're all in trouble, man. <laughs> you, so your familiarity is how much you use a weapon. And once you max out that familiarity, if you do make an offering, you'll get more Emrita, which is used for experience and leveling up. You'll get for it. Um, but you could also, like, depending on the weapon, if you max out the familiarity, you can soul match it with another weapon. So you can, like, pass that attribute onto something else. And so you can just spend so much time uh, going crazy with that stuff. You don't, ha- in my experience, you really don't have to do that. Okay. The, wep- the gear that you just find. But maybe if is you find yourself in trouble at some point, sure. Maybe that could be a way to get out of trouble by right. really diving deep into that. Like that would maybe help you get a little extra edge. I'm doing it. Yeah, yeah. It, it definitely does give you an edge. I don't want to say that it that it doesn't, yeah. but like the the weapon, the gear that you find is usually more than sufficient on its own. Mm-hmm. I, I I have to wonder if it's more of a PvP thing. That's what I'm thinking. When um, talking about this, but 
Yeah, and I also know that there are just people out there that are going to go nuts for this stuff, you yeah. know, that are just yeah. going to make yeah. the perfect dual katanas yeah. or whatever the meta it is. Yeah. Will be found. Um, Always is. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Neo. More Neo talk incoming, I'm sure. Coming in lots. We're streaming really every day, right? <laughs> every ally? Uh, I just want to know what, yeah, what everybody's built Every day, every hour. interesting, like, seeing each of our characters. Um, yeah, I'm an axe spear build right now. Oh, man, the armor. Really, 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 really quick. Oh, my God. <laughs> How good the armor looks. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it really does. And they don't, they don't waste a lot of time giving you, like, okay, you have, like, slightly better scraps now. Like, I'm not finished with the game yet, and, like, I'm this golden samurai <laughs> with this, like, immaculately detailed warlord helmet, and I've got this cape. Sick. And it's just, like, this isn't even, like, top-tier stuff, and wow. you just look awesome. Uh, cool. When you're you're in your or if you go like ninja build mm-hmm. and you're in the the like uh, the shrouded ninja gear, uh, all of it nice. just this, <laughs> they make you feel like a badass pretty quickly. Cool. That's all I wanted to say about that. Uh, but the next game I'm that we're going to talk about, build. Sasuke build, kunai, Uchiha, ninja, <laughs> fire is yeah. for honor. Which I know, just saying those two oh, words man. together gets you excited. I'm sorry I didn't play the beta. He read. It's all right. Didn't have time. It's coming out. So hungry for real that game, quick. So real quick. For Honor is a game that we've been excited about. That we've played it in <gasps> bits and pieces at events and things. Mm-hmm. And we obviously have uh, talked to Jason Vandenberg, the creator of For Honor, responded to his passion very well. But now we've really gotten to dig in. How do we feel about For Honor, Michael Huber? So good. More confident now than ever on the heels of the release. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, like, I am not a competitive person, especially when it comes to competitive video games. I only play mm-hmm. co-op, Overwatch co-op, StarCraft co-op, Counter-Strike with a team, like, I'm never... Overwatch co-op? I mean, or with, just, like, with a team, with a team, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I'm never, like, climbing the ranked ladder solo, mm-hmm. you right. know? Solo queuing. For Honor brings out the competitive... In me, like, I've never felt in a game. The one-on-one duels, like, mm-hmm. I want to be a master <laughs> at this game. Because it just feels so... It, it Like, there's... Uh, like, Titanfall 2 came out last year, and, you know, there were there were so many talks of how great the multiplayer was. And yeah. how it set it apart from other first-person shooters. Stand I, by that. Yeah, it is incredible. But even after putting, like, ten hours into it... It still felt similar to first-person shooters because it is a first-person shooter. It's a different... It's like a spin on a very familiar thing. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas For Honor, like, it feels so new. It feels brand new. It feels like nothing I've ever played. Well, like, when I play Call of Duty or a Titanfall or something, if I, like, run into a room and there's a guy pointing a shotgun and he already has a shotgun pointed at my face, I'm like, probably not going to survive this encounter, but Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll try you know, and like this guy's probably plays this game a lot more than I do, so I'll respectfully get my ass handed to me like in this encounter. If I bump into somebody in For Honor, I want to kill them so bad. So I want to win that fight so <laughs> bad. Like I, the hunger, you know, just yeah. like, like that. You know, feels like I'm. Gonna, it feels like you're in a war. It feels. It, it feels like you're really in a battle, and like that that lust for power, uh, which is why Huber's. It feels like so much. an involved version of chivalry. Sure, sure, right. sure, sure. Because like way chivalry, more intricate though. Than well, chivalry. that's why I'm saying. Yeah. Evolve. Calm down. Yeah, Calm yeah. down. No, I'm just I'm agreeing with you. I'm yeah, just agreeing with you. Get super defensive, no, Honor. We're talking about uh, 
you know how how unique it is and how much depth there is. What what is it that provides that depth? What is it that makes it feel different from other things? Can you explain that? All the classes have pros and cons. Uh, mm. Well, the beta they got to balance it. Obviously, like it was unanimous that uh, the Nobushi the mm. one. Uh, thing in the samurai uh, class was extremely broken mm-hmm. uh, they have like a spear and they can just poison you with like R1 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 just spamming so very mobile yeah but one on one there's ju- it's a completely different game than 4 on 4 and 2 and 2v2 uh, again each class has a ton of special moves that you can really really dive into yeah uh, but just the basic combat whether it be the parry which you you gotta teach me brad you don't even play this game you gotta teach me how to parry in this what do you mean you just do it the right time it's so hard (laughs) to parry because you have to hit heavy attack right when the red flashes Mm -hmm. but you're just thinking about so many other things when this happens because there's they can just change where to attack at the last second they can faint they can dodge away they can guard break there is just so much going on, but it's also very simple in a way. You know, if you really get into this zen zone, mm-hmm. it's just super simple, but underneath it all is just an insane amount of mechanics. You know, it's an interesting parallel, Huber, is this game reminds me of baseball in a sense. It has that kind it of does. It has that kind of pitcher batter mm, relationship. Maybe that's yes. and it's almost it's almost like the pitcher batter relationship if it was constantly shifting <coughs> back and forth. Yeah. You know, because it's always about here I'm here I come with my thing, what are you gonna do about it? Mm-hmm. Are you gonna turn that into, you know, an advantage or are you just gonna let it pass and then try to find another opportunity later? Mm-hmm. So it's a series of mind games. It is oh, yeah. nothing but mind games. Um, so let's say I'm somebody that thinks Forerunner looks cool, but you're you're describing all of these. Like each character has their own move set. Uh, you can like pairing is really difficult. You're describing mm-hmm. um, all of these things. I, I'm getting the same sort of intimidation. Mm-hmm. I'm not speaking for myself. I'm speaking for somebody random here. Yeah. Uh, getting the same sort of intimidation that I feel with fighting games, where it's yeah. like, man, maybe the barrier of entry is just too high. Do you think that's true with Forerunner? No, because there is a campaign which is co-op as well Mm. and the four on four mode the beta taught me to not take it seriously okay in a a way to like don't get frustrated yeah just have fun it's not like oh that person's better than me oh like why am i dying i'm not good enough Mm -hmm. it's four on four you're gonna get cheese you're gonna cheese people there's a lot of hit and run tactics ganging up there's like, you know, NPC minions in the middle, like MOBA style. It's just a mode that is should be less stressful, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, whereas the 1v1, yeah, that's that's very really, like, intimate, yeah. That is where, you know, the intimidation is and where the, the mechanics are and, and where someone that is just better than you is going to beat you down. Mm-hmm. So... So yeah, so four player might be a good, uh, maybe not an entry point, but like a good practice yeah, arena because absolutely. like the stakes are not as high. Mm-hmm. You can maybe like watch what other people do. Yeah, you have and your so, team. You can you can try to go for the objectives. Right. Uh, whereas one for one is just purely mechanics and skill. Go ahead, uh, Brad. Yeah, how is so? I haven't played this game in a long time. Yeah. My biggest problem with this game was fighting multiple people at once. Mm. Is that a lot better than when we played a long time ago? Because like Excellent. I remember. Here's Locking on and like switching targets was very bad when yeah. I did it a long time ago. So there's something where you're fighting multiple enemies where if you like block an attack, 
you get like a one second auto block. So like oh, so that you're blocking one guy can block yeah. immediately so, for you. That's yeah, cool. and your guy will go like ting ting. That's cool. Yeah. So it's if I'm if I'm locked onto a guy and then some other guy comes out out of nowhere and he's on my left mm-hmm. to block that guy, it's just left. That's it. I don't have to worry about the direction like up, down, left, oh, down, right. That's if cool. he's on my left, if I'm blocking left, it'll get that guy. And because it's a two-on-one, he'll kind of, like, repel back from the block, yeah. giving you an opening. So, by the time I was, like, 15 hours into this beta, I was getting confident where two-on-ones would not intimidate okay. me. I, I, like, three-on-ones, I almost came out on top if I was, like, near a cliff, because I could, like, throw a guy off, <laughs> parry this guy that's on the right just by right, focus on this guy, get back to this guy, like, you can... Get it down. If you are in the zone, if you are on the top of your game, like well, and you can exploit their overconfidence exactly. because they'll they'll be like, oh, and okay. because they hit each other. There's no <laughs> yeah. friendly fire, mm-hmm. but, but you can, it's, yeah, like raider. If I'm doing a huge attack and my friends are there, it's gonna stagger them. Yeah. Oh. So like getting okay. a two on one too, you gotta like you gotta be in the zone, which That's is cool. which is even more intense for the MLG players. Because if you're on the same wavelength as right. your buddy, mm-hmm. you know, because, because again, the, the blocking of someone's on the left, the person that's attacking should then be attacking from a different direction. Because now left is getting that guy, but if this guy attacks, like, right, then you're going to have to constantly, like, switch. Mm-hmm. Whereas, if like, I saw in the beta, you know, a lot of strangers are playing with each other. The dude attacking me is attacking left. So now one direction blocks both guys. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. So there's um, there's so much. There is so yeah. much. And not to mention, you might <laughs> just want to block a lot and wait for another person to show up. Mm-hmm. So it's not two v one anymore. You know? Yeah. More yeah. I mean, play. obviously, you should have a disadvantage if it's two v one. Of course. I was just wondering how they handle yeah. that. Yeah. 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 The the lock the changing targets is mm-hmm. the same. It just feels a little better. Okay. A little smoother. Okay. It's just uh like R two is lock on or. or L two, L two, and then you uh, you just release and snap, and it'll mm-hmm. go to the next person. Uh, for all of the amazing games that have come out already in 2017, mm-hmm. and there have been a lot, yeah, I don't think there's been a moment that has been as satisfying and hype inducing <laughs> as successfully taking on a two v one. I know, it feels <laughs> so feel good. like you just climbed a mountain. Man. Really? Oh, it feels so good. Yeah, it really does. Especially when you kill the second person with an execution. Uh-huh. Finishing blow. <laughs> feel like a champion. Wait, doesn't that give you health or something yeah. like that? That's if you cool. land a heavy attack for the last hit, you can execute. It gives you health. Back. That's cool. I like that. It's just. Well, it's like the uh, unfairness or lack of, like you were talking about in Neo. Like uh-huh. when I, you know, when I play for honor and, and two people rush in the room and, and you know take me down, I feel like I could have won that. I feel mm-hmm. like there, I, I had a chance. I just messed it up. Mm-hmm. You know, but like, but the it, the the skill level is there. If, Sometimes if with an Obushi, I to attain it. I, I don't Obushi. feel like that. The Nobushi meta. They're yeah. going to nerf. It was widespread. Everyone knew. Sure, sure. Um, you know, let's continue the trend. Let's talk souls. Uh, <laughs> you know. Every dueling, game we talk about. Yeah. Dueling in souls, to me, was, mm-hmm. for a while there, one of the 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 most fun and unique PvPs in terms of sword play. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because For Honor is obviously just built around that, that's what right. For Honor is. I think it is the new standard and the new high bar for uh, melee combat. I want to see like honestly. ridiculous bets, like you know, one hundred dollars 
one v one duel in four honor. Let's go. <laughs> like I bet, I bet yeah. it's gonna happen. That's that's what I want. Just this ridiculous like underground. I would, I would scene. want to win a statue yeah. from Huber for beating you at four honor. <laughs> yeah. That's sure. my goal for this year. I want to, to see this Evo, dude. Can you imagine sure. this is Evo? Oh awesome. my god, it's gonna be amazing. Well, oh. and unlike some other fighting games, like. For honor is it's very easy to discern what's <laughs> happening on screen. Like, mm-hmm. yo, he yeah. just split your head open with an axe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I really want like that's the thing. I love I want to watch some professionals play for honor. Yeah. I just want to watch it. Uh Can't wait. talking about Evo, I guess. I am not convinced, despite how much I'm enjoying it, despite the enthusiasm from the other allies that that For Honor is gonna have a long tail on it. I'm is that is that something that you're worried about, about as well? That. I'm scared. Um, I think there are a lot of reasons for why potentially it may not. Yeah, there's definitely an intimidation factor of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the beta, I think, was really, really well received. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think the sentiment was positive afterwards. Uh, mm-hmm. Just checking the forums, checking comments, uh, seeing people that are like, whoa, this game is... <laughs> awesome like people you know way more positive than negative right uh the fact that the i think all the maps are free for dlc they're doing yeah. that not that's very good right yeah not that's very good not splitting the fan base down the middle i do like the the long-term wars that it's like a a, a season is like 10 weeks um excellent and, and i think i think the rewards Maybe, or, or why people may not last that long, depending on what those are. You know, if your faction wins at the end of 10 weeks, you might get, like, a unique headband or something, or a unique helmet, or chest piece, or, or mm-hmm. you know, tattoo. Maybe if those rewards were really, really meaningful and awesome, that would help kind of keep people around. Sure. I think only time will tell. There's just so many yeah. games. I know. mean... It's actually something I think Overwatch has done a really great job of. Is they're like, all right, here's this themed event. Here are these skins that look really, really awesome. That get people excited. That get them to come back in. And that's I I honestly think that's the make or break for so many multiplayer games now is the frequency at which they update and how exciting they make those updates seem. Absolutely. So I'm so glad you brought up Overwatch because I don't play Overwatch. Yeah. I just buy loot boxes. Yeah. Right, but that's (laughs) that's a win for them. Exactly. They got me. Every time some new sick event comes out, I'm like, man, I gotta get that skin. Mm -hmm. So there's gonna be season pass. I asked you about it. You think you said maybe it's gonna be like characters they introduce in multiplayer or something like that? Maybe. Uh, I haven't I haven't looked too deep into That's one thing I'm kind of worried about. I don't like it'd be cool I wish if, you could, for free. if you yeah. can earn those characters maybe with in game currency. I don't know if that's in there or anything like that. But if you can only get them by buying them, that sucks. We fact checking? Yeah. I'm looking it up. Yeah, check uh, it out. Check it out. I'm looking it up. Um, talk amongst yourself. You don't need while a ticket he's, while he's fact checking, I, we, yeah. we do still have a lot to talk about, so I think we're going to have to move yeah. on. Okay. Um, and this is another one where it's it's kind of just me that has played it, but so I'm going to run through it really quickly. But I, I think it's too important not to talk about, and that is Fire Emblem Ooh. Heroes. Um, talk to me, Ben. Yeah, I want to talk. All right, to I got, which I I got I will the info play, right here. I have oh, not. If you're interested. Yeah, I'm interested. What's up? Okay. It's a $40 season pass. Comes with six heroes. Uh-huh. Now, that means... I think it's the basic heroes the game starts with. Mm-hmm. You can use those heroes no matter what, but you can't equip them with gear unless you recruit them with the currency you earn in-game, uh, which you, you, you earn at a, a mm-hmm. very steady clip. So I think you just get those outright... You get some, like, outfits and XP boosts. Okay. If it's just, like, cosmetic stuff, I'm fine with that, mostly. I think they've got to re-overhaul the UI for oh, a little bit. It's a little... Oh, 
tricky to navigate, I would say. Six new heroes that will be available seven days before they are released. Mm. Elite outfits for the DLC heroes. How much is the season pass? 40 bucks. 40 bucks. Hero emotes, emblem outlines, scavenger crates, to unlock extra gear, 30-day champion status, which gives you XP. Uh, Champion status. With the exception of the six heroes and their outfits, all the season pass content will be available for for Honor on February 14th. So. Alright. I'm just worried about gameplay stuff. Yeah. Because it's Ubisoft. Yeah. Right. People who don't pick up the season pass can get the new heroes by spending the in-game currency. Okay. Yeah, I mean not to not to just make one to one comparisons to Overwatch because they are different, but having those new heroes be free, like, yeah, so, yeah. So it's just I a little know. boost, but uh, just just playing from playing the beta for so long, like yeah, you, you get XP for the the character you play. Mm-hmm. So by getting them all at once, I don't think is a huge advantage because if you hunker down on your character of choice. But I mean, it's going to come down to balance, right? Exactly. It's like um, if the Nobushi's the best, and you level that up. Right, and it's like, okay, well, you know, only this percentage of players will have this overpowered <coughs> character, then you run into problems. Yeah, so it's going to come down but, yeah. to balance, right? Definitely. Uh, but, Sorry. nope, it's alright. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. So, while I was waiting for this game to come out, I decided to play a little bit of Fire Emblem Fates Conquest. I want to I do want to talk about that at some point, but it was really good playing like a full-fledged Fire Emblem game and then jumping into mm-hmm. this mobile Fire Emblem game. And I want to say, I want to set this off by, I, I think it's good. And I think I have more interest and will have a more continued interest in Fire Emblem Heroes than I did with Super Mario Run, where I went through all the levels in the day and I was like, all right, Toad Rally's not doing it for me. <laughs> um, and then I put it down. Um, and the reason why it works is because it is a bite-sized version of Fire Emblem in a lot of really smart ways. Battles are taking you anywhere from, like, a minute to, like, a couple of minutes. Uh, So they go really fast. Mm -hmm. You can do a story mission like that. And, you know, you're you're getting... So it's a free-to-play game, and there's a lot of different currencies that are a little overwhelming at first but become pretty obvious. You... As you beat a story mission, you get these orbs. You spend orbs to get heroes... So it's this gotcha system where you go and you summon, and let's say you have five orbs, you can summon one hero. And when you go to this this place to summon, you get, like, I think it's five different crystals. If you have, say, 20 orbs used for summoning, the more that you summon from this pool, each time you summon, it will cost less orbs. So it's kind of an incentive to be like, yeah, all right, summon a bunch of people at once because it will be, you know, cheaper, cheaper. in the end. It's it's kind of a carrot on a stick sort of thing. But I, I like how de- generous Nintendo has been. Um, I haven't felt compelled to spend any money. They've been they give you orbs for logging in, for completing story missions. They're having like a launch event kind of a thing. Um, every time you do any type of combat, it takes stamina as well. And over time, your stamina will replenish, so you can reach a point where it's like, okay, I can't do any more fights because I'm out of stamina, but Nintendo just gave, like, 10 stamina potions to mm-hmm. me, which will refill that, and so, I, again, I do feel like they're they're being pretty fair, pretty even-handed. Um, but the combat... Yeah. The combat itself... So you can have uh, four heroes in your party, and you can make a bunch of different teams, and it's on this very, very tiny, like, six-by-eight grid, 
and you just move by sliding. And it's nice that you can just play this game entirely by one hand. Yeah. And so let's say you have an archer which has to attack like one space away from a unit. You just drag it on the unit and it will move a space away automatically. Oh, that's cool. So you don't have to like sit there and like agonizingly. It's very like mm. the game knows what you're trying to do and it's polished enough that it makes executing on those actions extremely straightforward, extremely simple. Um, and I forgot to mention, perhaps uh, the most compelling element for a lot of people, the heroes that you're summoning are Fire Emblem characters. Yeah. Um, and they, oh, the presentation is pretty good. So I got a four-star Roy, mm-hmm. and when I summoned him, it had, like, his own little movie and his voice clip. Oh, that's and they, cool. they make it exciting. They make it feel cool. Um, What'd you say you got this here? Roy? I said Roy's my boy. Roy, my boy! Nice. Yeah. Uh, no, that's the, the smash... The yeah. chant, Roy's our boy. Roy's our boy. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, there are some pretty significant problems, I would argue, with oh. Fire Emblem Heroes, though, that I don't want to overlook. Um, so there's no evasion mechanic in Fire Emblem. So like normally in a Fire Emblem game, like most uh, technical strategy games, there's a chance that when you attack, depending on a character's evasion, that they dodge it. Nope, you you will hit, you will hit, and they will hit every time. Weird. Uh, there's also no critical hits, which is strange. Ouch. Um, no sorry, mate. You're out. No <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, Deal breaker. And Jeez. because you're only Dopamine. limited to four people on your team, like bringing four people in the battle, it actually feels extremely limiting. Like there's only so many different ways that you can assemble that team. Um, whereas like. Part of the appeal of Fire Emblem is like having this much bigger army that mm-hmm. can do all these different things and then placing those appropriate people at the right part of the map. Um, and because the maps are so small, I mean, there's really only so much you can do in terms of maneuverability. Um, and so the battles are are maybe a little bit too simple for my liking. Again, that's also kind of an advantage because of the bite-sized nature, mm-hmm. because of it being on phones. But I feel like really the the only big order of the day that you're following is the rep weapon triangle, the classic fire emblem weapon triangle, which is in the bottom corner of the screen yeah, at all, all times, times, so you never forget it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think right now, at least, and probably for the foreseeable future, like earning orbs, unlocking characters that I like, and I think that's another big thing. There are a lot of gacha games that you can play, but a lot of those are like, from the ground up games where I have no attachment yeah, to the characters. Yeah, like this one, yeah, you know the characters. God damn it, I'm gonna get Lin. Like, I'm mm-hmm. not stopping this it's game like until I get Star Lin. Wars. Yeah. Right. Galaxy of Heroes. Galaxy of Heroes. Sure. And that, and that uh, is a big part of it as well. And I, I feel like, despite my complaints about the simplicity, there's enough depth there that I'm, I'm still enjoying yeah. playing. Yeah, sounds it. pretty decent for me for a phone game, at least. Yeah, yeah. Um... That's yeah, it. if I was a fan of Fire Emblem, then yeah, sure for sure. Yeah. I'm just not versed in. You just, I know, oh, I know. You have too. no idea. No. Like, I'm like, gonna buy you a copy of Awakening. Like, uh, or that any is of the them. number one requested game that I play yeah. for whatever reason is mm-hmm. Fire Emblem Awakening. Like, do people know? I guess people just know what I like and know that. And I like, can't imagine you finishing Fire Emblem. Like, you're gonna finish <laughs> Fire Emblem Awakening, and then I'm gonna get a call from you at three in the morning, and you're gonna go. Dude, Fire Emblem! Like, it's gonna... I can see that happening. Um, I do want to talk about the story a little bit as well. Oh, sure. Um, It's garbage. But you... I mean, you would expect it to be... I've heard some people say that, like, you know, they they play Fire Emblem for the story, so they're disappointed how weak it is here. I mean, it's... 
you have this kingdom of people that are fighting against another kingdom that are summoning heroes for fire emblem heroes for ill-gotten gains and you have to stop them so that's the as, same thing. This is complicated as it gets uh there's some fourth wall breaking a little bit here and there that's kind oh. of amusing but for them it's just extremely yeah, like, bones. like you'll do a couple of story missions where there's no dialogue whatsoever um and so yeah very very sparse not a a strong point of the game but yeah i'm liking it and i'm curious to see like after a couple of weeks how i feel sure it's it like a game you can quote unquote beat that like there there's an ending to the game i mean not a, not a point where they want you to stop playing but like you know, mm-hmm. a credits situation where you're like, all right, I finished the final boss, and now I'm all all I'm really doing is just collecting more heroes, and, and, de- and hopefully yeah. they'll expand this with more content down the road. It definitely seems that way because the story is divided into chapters, mm-hmm. and each chapter you're going through a different Fire Emblem world. Like there is the world of Awakening, you know, oh, and cool. you're fighting Fire Emblem Awakening characters. There's cool. the the like the mystery world where you're fighting Marth and stuff. Um, and so it, it definitely seems like he gets to a point where it's like, okay, I've done all of those mm-hmm. and finished the story as it is. But there are Fire Emblems that are not yet represented in Fire Emblem Heroes. Mm-hmm. And so... Classic. I'm sure there will be an update fairly soon that gives you more worlds to play through and stuff like that. But yeah, are you guys going to check it? I know you're going to play it. I will definitely play it, pro- uh, possibly stream it. Okay. Cool. I'm really curious because you're you're not necessarily a Fire Emblem fan, no. but you like mobile games. I like strategy mobile games. Yeah, so strategy is one of my favorite genres. Uh, yeah, and and I especially games that um, you know like where it's I'm not sitting here playing this for half an hour for like one mission. Mm-hmm. Like if it's like mm-hmm. you know ten minutes is the maximum I'm ever going to play one of these levels, and that's perfect for me. Cool. How about you guys? No. All right. <laughs> there we go. I like that simultaneous Button. no. Uh, Brandon. We've got a game that you've been digging into, and I'm very curious about that I yeah. want to hear about, Ghost yeah. Recon Wildlands. Ooh, yes. Yeah, talk to me, Jones. Uh, so this game is creeping on me. Uh, this is this is a game This is a game that I was happy to pass on. You know, I'm like, I got Horizon coming out. I'm, I'm, gonna, I, I'm anticipating jumping into Neo immediately when I'm done with Horizon. Uh, there's also, you know, For Honor, and there's like a bunch of other games uh, that I want to play this year. I was like, you know, uh, Wildlands looks like fun, but it's something that I, I can, you know, put on the shelf and maybe, you know, do a stream or something like that. And this game is is up my alley. I am enjoying going through this. I'm playing the beta right now that's going this weekend. All right. And... Sorry, before we go any sure. further, I wanna I wanna break it down. What yeah. is Ghost Recon Wildlands? Ghost Recon Wildlands is a op- a four player. Uh, you can play it with one person or two or three or four, and you know anyone that's not uh, uh, a actual human being on your team is replaced with AI. So you always have four people on your team, oh. and. Uh, is a open world Ghost Recon game. So you're familiar with Ghost Recon and, and tactically the, the 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 items that you get, drones and tagging enemies and um, uh, you know the, the Ghost Recon's really big on situational awareness. But a lot of times the levels in Ghost Recon will be very linear. You're like I can go left or right, you know. But in this, it's open world, <laughs> and so you can take a helicopter, you can take any type of vehicle, you can try to go in stealth, you can go in the day, you can go in at night, um, you can just bring in a big tank or like a jeep with a Gatling gun on the back and just go in and just mow everybody down. Uh, and you are there to squash a drug cartel. And so each of the zones that you go to has like 
a target that you're trying to take out. And so all of the areas that you're going to, you're gradually learning, you know, gathering intel on that target, uh, getting more information about them. So if you want to do all the side missions, you can, you know, get a little more context, you know, a little more, uh, you can kind of follow their trail and find out how they've affected people in that area. But if you're like, I just want to get through the story, those are, they're very clear, like the yellow markers on the map. You're like, I'm just going to do those six missions, which will then give me the location of where they're at. Then I'll go and take them out and move on to the next area. Um, you're kind of making me think of Hitman and something I think Hitman 2016 does extremely well is making those multiple avenues really rewarding and inspiring like as you're going through a level new ideas pop into your head for how mm-hmm. to take care of a target. Do you feel like the the mission design is strong enough that like you're like oh man what if I did it this way what if I did it this way and like the things that they put in your way are interesting to overcome? Yes. Okay. Uh, it definitely is a game that you can test yourself difficulty wise that like you can, you know, like Huber, if you want to be super stealth, you're like, yeah. I want to try to get it. Like one example, there's uh, so there are um, the drug cartel people, which are always bad guys. They're labeled in orange on the map. Then there's rebels, which are labeled in green, uh, which sometimes you'll go into areas and they'll be in prison. So you can go and like break them out and you can actually level them up in the your skill sets. You can like mm-hmm. make them more, uh, you know, combat ready cool. if you want to like do that and distract people and like send them out and there's I'm into that. eventually you level up their abilities so they can call in a helicopter for you they can call in a, a mortar strike um, they can just do a distraction so you can be like make a big noise over there so all the troops will go that way and I can just sneak in and get that and then there's Unidad which are the cops which also hate you, but whereas you kill the drug cartel, nobody cares. If you kill Unidad soldiers like Grand Theft Auto, your, your threat goes up. And so there was a mission I just did where I had to go in and interrogate a boss, and I was having a lot of trouble with it until I realized, like, oh, wait, I can just jump over this wall, get in there, interrogate him, get out. Nobody knew I was there. But if you want, you can mow that base down. It's a, very hard because they're, they're armored. Like I said, they, they'll call in reinforcements, so like you don't want to spend too much time there. But it's up to you, basically, on how difficult is, you want to make that mission. Is there a tranquilizer gun? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I haven't gotten... There's a... Okay. You, you have two weapons, the uh, triangle on the PS4 controller swap between them. If you tap triangle twice, it brings out your pistol. Um, so I, I, I have an assault rifle for, you know... Close encounters, sniper rifle for long distance, and then when I get really close and I want to be stealthy, I'll take the, out the, the everything has suppressor, so everything can be quiet. I like to really RP Metal Gear, and I just think the the tranquilizer is so strong yeah. that I always like limit yeah. myself to creativity and, and sure. to variety that I'm always just using that tranquilizer the whole game. Uh, so this sounds like it'd be fun to, you know, maybe stealth submission, going guns blazing. Yeah. You know, I'm not Solid Snake trying to save the world. I'm just like... Right. This is basically Metal Gear Solid 5 <laughs> with three other people that go along on missions with you and z- almost zero story. <laughs> yeah. like, wanna... With the exception of these people you have to hunt down. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I kind of like that. Like, I, I, it's... I think a lot of people get into this game and be like, oh man, all I'm doing is just running into areas and gathering stuff and then going and hunting people. And I'm like, I would agree with you. That is all you're doing. But I really enjoy that. And I think if there was a four-person team sent into Bolivia to take down a drug cartel, it would be a little dull. You know, it would be it would be kind of methodical, like how they would go and gather information and, and attack the right people. And, it's a good point. Um, and so when I have, you know... A, a, 
very simple missions where it's like, just get in there and kill the guy. I kind of appreciate the simplicity of that, mm-hmm. uh, given the freedom that I have to, you know, tell my guys to, you know, like either just stay behind me, especially if you're playing co-op, you know, and if you mm-hmm. have four people and you can approach a base from north, south, east, west, and really you see how flustered all the enemies get where they're like, I don't know where to shoot because there's stuff happening all over the place. When I did the preview event, at one part, they, like, ran in guns blazing, and I just stayed on a tower from a sniper position. And, like, taking guys out that have no idea you're even shooting at them is, like, it's fun I, to do. I love that, that four-player aspect because yeah. it's such a hard thing to nail in video games, I think, because you have to, like, build around the idea that, like, you can play this single player. Yeah, you have mm. your AI buddies, but, like... You have to make it so four human players can can go in there and balance it all, and it's also such a such a hard barrier of like getting four committed. So that's people what my question to was. do this. Yeah, you know, but yeah. if you do, it just yeah. sounds like well, so much. So there, so there, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the way that I play video games a lot of times is is it's like I'll be working on something and I keep like odd hours, so it's like oh I have time to play something at three a.m. Yeah, when no one else is on. Do you feel like you have to play this game co-op to get the most out of it, or is it something that you're greatly enjoying both single player and multiplayer? I am. Gr- I'm uh, all the beta this weekend that I've played has entirely been single player because I don't want to jump in with a bunch of like random people. I wanted to get the story done and level up a lot, and then uh, if you're available tonight or anytime this weekend, Huber, I'd love uh-huh. to like jump into your single player now that I'm like level nine, yeah. you know, and like be like, hey, look at look at the fun things. I can call it a mortar strike, you yeah. know, and like the fun. I'm hopefully I have, actually haven't tested that. Because when I played the demo, we all started at level one and then moved up. So I don't know mm-hmm. if like I committed a higher level. If I jump into your game, if I'm playing your missions, mm-hmm. or, or specifically how that works. But it, it, it's a game where it can be extremely dull. Again, if you don't like that format, if you mm-hmm. need a little more of a story string to pull you through it, you, you need a little more enemy uh, or just scenario variety. Um, or if you're like, I like having a game that's this blank slate. You know, it, It's interesting that Horizon and Wildlands are coming out. Where Horizon is very story-focused, very narrative-focused. But when and, you're playing it by yourself, do, do you feel like you wish you had three friends with you? Uh, I, I didn't feel like I was missing out. Okay. I didn't feel that like, oh, that guy got in the way and he wouldn't have done that. Um, uh, and, but I mean, you get, you know, three passionate players, you get those, you know, those friends in there and it elevates to a Killing whole Killing dudes with Jones. It's, it's something, really let me put it this way, it's something, <laughs> if you were, are interested in this game and if you are, if you are going to buy it, you have to do a four player session, like whether you get strangers in there just to try it out. Mm. But it, uh, I could see myself playing from start to finish, uh, just with one player and having a good time. Okay. And do you, cool. you create a character and get you, Yeah, tons of character customizations cool. uh, and, and stuff you unlock, actually, like going through the game. Uh, one final thing uh, that I appreciate about it, uh, that, that is something that Ghost Recon has had before that I remember from, I haven't played a ton of Ghost Recon games, but I do remember from prior games, mm-hmm. and is kind of fun to experiment with when you're playing by yourself. And that's the dialogue that happens between these four characters. Mm-hmm. And specifically, the, the, the situational awareness that they will alert you to. So it's fun to like go into an area and they're just like, uh, yeah, we have uh, you know, targets ahead. And you're like, yeah, I know. I'm starting to target them. And like, when you actually target enemies, he'll say different things. So he's like, there's one, uh, enemy number two. Now we have three. Uh, oh, the fourth guy there. You know, and he'll like, cool. add them up as mm. you target them. One of my favorite things, I can't remember a stealth game that does this, where... If you piss somebody off, so if I like pop out and like, and I'll back up and like, he saw me, I haven't alerted him yet, but he's curious and he starts walking towards you. If it's inevitable, we've all been there in that stealth moment. You're yeah. like, damn it. You're like, he's turning you're that like corner. I'm stuck and I can't go anywhere. And this guy's going to discover me in four seconds. They'll alert you to that. Like they'll sense that. 
And they're like, they're almost on us. What are we doing? And they're, they're asked, basically asking you, like, should we just start firing? Or, like, we're going to oh. get spotted. What do we do? And so I, I, I just love those little moments where, like, they'll say something to you to kind of, like, that is really that cool. Is, yeah, that speak is cool. to the situation that's happening. And it's always so great in a Ghost Recon game with AI where you're just like, oh, no, they're going to get the drop on that guy. And it's just like, yeah, that's a kill. And you're like, nice. and you see, like, that orange dot on the minimap just boop, go away. It's like, yeah, good job. Um, cool. You... The, the language that you're kind of using, uh, you know, perhaps some people wanting more mission variety, maybe a little bit of a stronger story threat, having uh, just more interesting scenarios. Are, are, do you think that maybe this is something that might work really, really well in a beta, but when you get that full game, are you are you worried that there's not going to be enough there or that it's not going to remain as interesting from beginning My to main end? worry is just exhaustion. Sure. You know, like you it, going through the beta, understanding how long that took and, and what the, the variety of the missions and basically like what I got out of that, the, the rewards of like, yay, that territory's done. And then zooming out, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, sure, the Ubisoft is huge. I mean, yeah, it's Ubisoft. The Ubisoft like 50 hour game that should be like 15, 20. <laughs> I was like <laughs> so on board, Jones, and so, now I'm like backing off of the train right. a little bit. Oh, that just unnecessary. There's something about zooming out and being like, I gotta do this. And there's like 90 50 icons. more times. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, a few of those games always. But I don't like, know. I love this that, one. Uh, so, so I imagine so what a potentially you're saying about what a yeah, potentially totally. they'll bring me into it is wanting to take out that person. So when you get to a new territory, they're like, "Okay, welcome to this place. Here's the asshole you got to go track mm-hmm. down." Mm-hmm. The one in the demo uh, is actually a really great character, and the more you kind of read about them, it's very amusing. I don't know if the rest of them will be that amusing, but it's a couple of doctors that met and were uh, hired to uh, treat a <laughs> one of the drug lords, like you know, family members or right hand man or something uh, that they saved from dying, and so. Uh, in return, the drug lords hired them to do torture for them. And so they're like, you know, such good doctors. They know how far they can push somebody before they die and like how long they can stretch out that experience. And when you actually hunt them down, you hunt them down like in their torture lab. So like mm. you see this stuff on security cameras and it's rewarding after like two or three hours of the game to like get in that building and be yeah. like, oh, we finally found this place. And, cool. and, and cool. I just, and I just, they were interesting characters. There's like one point where you like uh, steal their car and I'm driving this like fancy car around and they like find things in the car and are talking about them. You know, they're just like, oh, I found this note or like, oh, what's this gross thing? You know, and like kind of get learning more about those characters. So if you get into a new territory and they introduce you to a, you know, a target, and you're like, oh, I really want to kill that guy. Kind of like Hitman. Yeah. You're like, oh, that awful person. I really want to, I really want to make him pay. Um, but if there's like 20 of those people, like, I don't know I if they can really vary it enough. I have a really important question. Mm-hmm. Do you and enemies go down in like one or two hits? No, the when you fight bosses, they, they have a little bit more resistance. Mm-hmm. But like uh, one thing that frustrated me about Ghost Recon and Splinter Cell was it was like a little too rigid where it was like tough to get headshots as opposed to like, you know, a first person shooter that I'm used to. I'm headshot all over the place. Like mm-hmm. I, I definitely haven't had any issues. And they go down and like normal the, guys The unit dad guys are a little tougher because they have armor. But yeah. yeah, just the regular dude wearing like a, you know, a tank top, you know, and shorts and sandals with, like an, with an automatic weapon. Yep, yeah, headshot. Cool. And you too? Is there like regenerative health? Or? Uh, yeah, the, you're, you're, uh, you can, you know, uh, Stim pack uh, revive people. Um, cool. And so your, your teammates will, will run up and do that. And they've done a pretty good job, actually, just in, in single player, like having the AI run in and, cool. um, and take out people to get to you. It's cool. it's cool if I'm on like the fourth floor and they got to run up in the building. I'm like, I know there's bad guys in this building. And I'll <laughs> see the little orange dots go away as they like make their way up to get to me. But uh, I want to get my hands on it. It's, it's curious. It's it is. T- it's, it it's sounds tough. curious. It's, it's a tough game to recommend because it's one of those games where it's like, this is bare bones. Like, this is just like, here's cool map, random characters to attack. Have fun. Make, make this right. your playground. But at the same time, if you get in there and you really enjoy that experience, then I think you'll have a lot of fun with it. But cool. uh, I would not be surprised if people get in there and they're like, yeah, did it for about half an hour. That was enough. I'm like, I totally understand. 
we have two more games to, to get to before we get to the next segment of our show. Um, and I, I think both of these will go pretty quick. Oh, uh, yeah. These are, these are Brad and Ben games. Um, and the first one I want to talk about is Tales of Berseria. Brad, as a longtime Tales player, who's been dis- rightfully so disappointed by Tales several times, how do you feel about <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tales of Berseria? Feeling better than I have in a while. Yeah. At least with them. Me too. It's like, remember, is it still, I remember like some of the systems were so ridiculously complex and like, yeah. I didn't even like want to play it. Mm-hmm. This one's like getting more focused now. I like the main character of this game so yeah. far already. Yeah. The, she, uh, Velvet is her name. Yeah. And, uh, something terrible happens to Velvet and she's kind of out seeking vengeance. So, you know, it's that device, but it's, Revenge it's, tale. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, Revenge Tale. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a, it's a good, it's a good hook. I mean, it's, a typical hook, but it's a good hook. It's nice having a Tails lead character that is just kind of an asshole mm-hmm. to everybody, and you're like, oh man, like, you really just did that to that person. But I feel like they explain why. Right, like, they do. I understand they why she's this way. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm just saying, like, that perspective is is a little bit more, more entertaining to me than, like, the chipper. The sort of like, hey, buddy, yeah. let's go on adventure. Exactly. It's, it's, just yeah. a, it's just a little, <laughs> compared God. to other things that we've seen in Tales, it's just, yeah. a, not that those characters aren't present in Berseria. Sure, yeah. They are. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it works here, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, totally feels like a lot of like calls to like Bloodborne and Dark Souls. I felt and Berserk. Like. And Berserk, yeah. yeah, like a lot of themes like did not expect that. Like werewolf demons, like some yeah. sort of like demon curse coming through. I'm like, okay, this is Bloodborne. <laughs> yeah, I was streaming it, and the night that this terrible thing happens to Velvet, like the sky is crimson. Yeah, right? and they're like, like what's right, the Yeah, yeah. And the main bad guy's name's Artorius. I'm just like, yeah. okay. <laughs> um, I want to. I want to talk a little bit about the the battle system oh and uh, oh, why, yeah. uh, why I find it so interesting. Like, I think it's a cool battle system. It actually. is. It is a I cool like battle it. system. I haven't. I haven't finished the game, so I, I like. I don't feel like I have a full understanding of it. But yeah. from what I've messed around with. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't think the game is terribly, terribly difficult yet, even on the higher difficulties. But, uh, like, the way that the battle system is designed, I'm enjoying every fight Mm -hmm. that I'm doing. um, Because you have the soul gauge. Yeah, I do like that. there are these crystals that you have. And as you defeat enemies or stun them, you will get more crystals. And every time you do an art, which is basically one of your moves, you consume one of those crystals. And so it's this... This balance where mm-hmm. you're trying to exploit enemy weaknesses, kill them as quickly as possible, stun them so you can get more crystals, so you can do more moves. And it gets into this really satisfying loop of you're building this huge chain of stuff. And the reason you're building this huge chain of stuff is you've been dodging, uh, you've been doing all of these mm-hmm. things correctly. And can so, you use Demon Fang? Uh, I don't have Demon Fang. I don't have Demon Fang. Yeah. I'm, re- I'm ready for Tails to make Demon Fang like the ultimate move for once. Have it be like you you earn all these crystals and you unleash it as like... Just because it's always like the first yeah. thing. You, uh, like, you, have a twist a, on you have a demon arm yeah. that's pretty awesome because cool. what you can do is... If you, if you have at least uh, three crystals in your soul gauge, you can activate by pushing R2, this half demon arm, and... Beast you, claw thing. Yeah. It's the Bloodborne beast claw. You basically, <laughs> you basically go into this mode where you can extend combos even further, mm-hmm. and this pays off with uh, an even more powerful finishing move. But the thing is, is once you use this special demon hand thing, you consume one of your crystals. 
And so you have to use it carefully. Otherwise, you can get in a situation where it's like, oh, I have like no crystals, so I can barely do anything. Mm. It also drains your health, too, I think, when you use it. When you do some moves, I think it takes away some health. I think a little. Okay. It must not be very much because I have not been noticing. I mean, I just kind of learned it, so I'm figuring it out. But like, if you're using it and if you get hit while you're doing it, is there a negative effect? The the one thing that has really been a big factor for me is just the the soul crystals. I haven't okay because when I'm doing it, every time I'm activating it, I'm already in the middle of a combo, and so enemies aren't. I think the game said something about like a system about getting your life back in some way too, and I, I missed it or something like that. Okay, so I'm not sure. I'm I'm like two and a half hours, and I'm still figuring a lot of stuff out. Sure, this is something that I that I should know because I've used it a lot. But check the tape. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the positive sentiment about. This area has really made me want to die back in because I played yeah Symphonia like I'll always remember sitting on my living room floor and like my mom in the kitchen like playing on my GameCube you know yeah so jolly absolutely Vesperia one of like the the only JRPGs at a at a time of JRPG dr- uh, the JRPG drought you well know? especially there, on GameCube sure well, well when Vesperia came out, oh I Vesperia mean. sure yeah, yeah, yeah. well yeah, yeah yeah okay um and Sorry. then I fell off after that. Vesperia was kind of the last one I played. I, I, I came to Zillia way late. It always intrigued me, especially 2, because it looked like super anime, like cop action. Mm-hmm. But then there were all these like, weird, like, <laughs> like Grace's F, and I would go over to Brad's. Well, that's support. There'd be some guy named like Richard, had yeah. like amnesia, and like <laughs> the game. The, the the I mean, tales are very typical. Yeah. Nothing like surprising. I'd say like yeah. you know what you're gonna get usually no surprises. Always just yeah. like like Jones says said about Wildlands, just like bare bones, just very cut and paste. Uh, but I mean, but the vibe of this one seems sure. a lot better. It's it's better, but I don't want to oversell it. Like yeah. it is very much a. Tales, Tales game. game. Yeah. I saw the reviews. The reviews are higher than normal for it. There were really high reviews of Zestiria as well. Okay. Like, is that the last one that was like yes, way more big in the, the open last world? One that came yeah. Out. Like, I think Berseria is a good game. I think it's a solid game. But if you're looking for like this Tales of game that totally redefines what your expectation of a Tales game is, mm-hmm. like a lot of the Tales trappings are very much in place here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and it's good. It's a very good one of those that it has a pretty interesting battle system from what I've seen so far. But it is not... Even if we're super removed from that template, even if we're like slightly above average, I think because of the aesthetic and and what mm-hmm. you guys have said, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. a lot more intrigued. Sure, it, like if I, you yeah, come definitely. back and you said, "Oh, it's fine," like it's whatever. It's no, fine. it's it's very good. Yeah, yeah. there's yeah, definitely. Ja- there's a jailbreak in it. Really, See, really. So I think you'll like it. Yeah, like werewolves, <laughs> revenge. Yeah, I, I would say the opening is, uh, especially just because the serial was the one I played before this, much. Stronger, much better. Much yeah. better. <laughs> I just have two quick questions. Mm-hmm. One, uh, how are the towns? I towns only, are fine. I've only been yeah. to the one you started at, and it's yep. super jolly. Okay. It is very, very jolly. Excellent. Yes. Super jolly. And uh, then, uh, yeah. The second question is: It's no Dragon Quest Eight towns. No, of course the, not. <laughs> of course. What is right? Sure. The uh, Zestiria, the open world, just was like so gross <laughs> and like. Yeah, sparse Berseria, and there was like popping. Does Basiria expand well, there's that? Po- there's popping. Basiria is a, is a better looking game than. Mm-hmm. Is that serious? Basiria is a much better looking game than like. There's a noticeable upgrade there okay. for sure. Cool. But these these fields that you're exploring are are not like. There's not a ton in them. You know what I mean? Like they're not. It's. You go and like there might be an herb to pick up here or some mm-hmm. orbs or something like that, but it's not, it's not dense. I would say, for sure. 
But it's an upgrade from Sisteria. It's an yes, upgrade. It yes. Is. Okay. Sisteria is hard to look at. Sure. <laughs> Definitely. The PS3 version holds things good. back. Uh, yeah, it runs good. It does. It runs really well. Cool. Mm-hmm. Man, um, I'm excited. I want to play. I, I keep seeing it on the store, and I'm like itching to buy it. I'm just so buried right now. Yeah. 40-hour JRPG. <laughs> I know, right? There you go. God. Just what you need. No, but it's good. It's good. And it's... It made me excited for Tales of in a way that I haven't been before. Yeah, it's like a... I'm like, okay, good. But, You're going a good way. Keep it up. Right. Berseria, like, Berseria was kind of that last straw for me where it was like, all right. Or is it, sorry, I feel Zisteria. like... I, Zisteria. These names. They're all bizarre. Yeah. They are bizarre names. I'm, I apologize. Uh, Zisteria was kind of the last straw for me where it was like, all right, if Berseria isn't good i don't feel yeah. really good about it i'm gonna cool off on this for a while yeah. um and it is it is really good last game i want to talk about we've talked about i talked about it a little bit before but brad you've been playing some gravity rush 2 and i want to get your thoughts on it oh uh i really like it so far i'm not super far in, into it also yet but uh i'm liking what i've seen i think it's taking an interesting turn especially in the story wise mm-hmm. i like where it's like starting at like this village yeah and you're like a miner and you're going through like trying to make your Make your ends meet because it's like village is like very much like pull your own weight or you're gonna starve kind of thing, right? Which I really like. Uh, yeah, I would say the setup is a lot stronger because in Gravity Rush Ron, you wake up, you're this amnesiastic, yes, girl, yeah, and it's like, you know okay, what's you are going in on? This one. Right, whereas here it's like, okay, you're with a group of people, these people have their own problems, mm-hmm. you're kind of embroiled with that. How did you get there? Uh, I'd say there are more dynamics at play in the story. Is it the immediately. place from one, the like underground? Uh, no, no, you're no, so you were like ripped from. That place. Yeah. And you have to watch the anime for that. Yeah. But that, that. There's a bridge? An anime bridge? There's, there's, there's like a 20-minute 20 20 anime, minute anime. Okay. You don't. I don't think you need to watch it to have But it explains how you get there. Okay. That's yeah. about it. But it's not like anything spectacular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Good to know. Um, how do you feel about... You haven't gotten the new... I haven't gotten the new powers or yet. anything like that. Uh, I think they made some small change. It seems like it's easier to like hit enemies now when you're doing like the gravity kick, like locking on's easier. Same with like throwing stuff. I do think stuff. it is much easier to... Oh, throwing is just Throwing's really, really way, good. Way better yeah, now. Yeah. Really good. Oh, that mm-hmm. stuff was so hard. Because I played HD, mm-hmm. not, the, not the Vita one. I missed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I but do, the thro- like throwing things and like yeah, right. kind of the navigation was always a little weird. Because the navigation, I mean, just zipping in all directions, starting and stopping, getting used to the camera. There is an adjustment period, mm-hmm. but yeah, I agree with Brad. I think overall it's more refined. Than I think they made some changes too. Like if you're just like going, like you know, you're doing your gravity shift or whatever, and you're going down to the ground, it'll just automatically turn it off once you like land on normal solid ground. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if it did that in the. The first one, but everything just feels a little smoother. Oh, wait, because you're saying, like, if you zip and you hit solid ground, it'll revert? You yes. did that in the first one. Okay, I yeah. couldn't remember, but yeah, everything mm-hmm. just feels a little smoother, cool. more now moving around, which is really good. Yeah. Um, I want to say something specifically to get you excited. I think you need to play um, this game. Dude, I'm, um, I want to. So, it's, like, number one on my list yeah. right now. The, the story, the story gets insane. Like, I'm not saying it is an extremely great story or that it, like, blew my mind or anything, but it does get just batshit crazy. Excellent. I, I've never been more reminded of Asura's Wrath than I was by the end of Gravity Rush 2. <laughs> like, there are just things that happen that are so ridiculous that you just... It's, it's like Asura's Wrath. It's Excellent. the response I had to Asura's Wrath, which is like, whoa. <laughs> yeah. Um, and kind of... If you play along with that insanity, I think it's very enjoyable. Cool. Story. Oh, music's so. really good too. The so music far. is yeah. excellent. Yeah, the music is very, very good. Very funky, fresh. 
I think I would say soundtrack of the year so far. Yeah, it's definitely a contender. Yeah, definitely a contender. All right, so that's a little check in with uh, Gravity Rush Two. Really want to play. It's uh, very good. Anything else you want to say, Brad? We we didn't talk about it for uh, very long. No, I mean I'm only like a couple hours in. Okay. So I don't even have any new powers yet, anything like that. Yeah. So then, it's hard for me to like say stuff that's new, kind of. Are you in the big main? Multi-tiered city yet? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, no. I'm at, like, the starting town. Okay, so you're with... But the, I got, okay. like... I did, like, a few side quests, and I was just checking okay. things out and seeing Once how you get works. to the city... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't gotten there yet. Okay. All right. Well, it is that time of the show. It's time for the one... The only... Gotcha! Okay! <sighs> <laughs> Have you seen the compilation video of no. all of the Hotakes? Oh boy, I need that in my life That's right So what makes that compilation video so good is the different reactions everybody has. <laughs> and yours, yours are some of the best. I recommend seeking that out. Nice. Uh, it's pretty fun. Um, so for this week's Hotake, uh, thinking of the panel and thinking about our enthusiasm for Resident Evil, mm. I want to return to that series. Mm. Um, and I want to talk about specifically the future of mm. this franchise, Ooh. where mm. things are going. Um, because this is a franchise that has pivoted a lot, right? Mm. You have the fixed camera angles of Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3. Um, you've got the overshoulder of 4 and 5 and 6. And now you have the first-person perspective of Resident Evil 7. I know that this is a topic that you've been stewing about a lot Michael Huber so this is the place to let all your thoughts out Brandon Jones Bradley Ellis please as well what do you want Resident Evil 8 to be and we can even go beyond that 9 10 spinoffs like Resident Evil's in a good place Mm -hmm. right now where does it go from here uh quickly before we get into 8 I would really like Revelations 3 Mm-hmm. To be the next uh, uh, to finish that up. To I know Resident Evil Two remake is is in the works. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> Would it be a spoiler <laughs> to ask what you want Resident Evil to do in terms of its story? Is For that, revelations? Yeah. Is that? Can you um, say it without spoiling things? Yeah, I would like it if Barry and Jill teamed up because Jill is in the first Revelations, Barry's in the second. I think mm-hmm. that reunion would be excellent. Really, mm-hmm. really, and and a great way to wrap up kind of the Revelations trilogy. Um, <coughs> wouldn't really know. Do we know Revelations Three is happening? No. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Hasn't even been announced. I'm just saying. Yeah. You know, could that be a super long shot? Excuse now that they've kind of like re- rebooted it in a sense, mm-hmm. successfully. Yeah. So I, I would just like it if we if we got one final Revelations to kind of wrap that up with them. So talking about Revelations, Revelations is kind of to me it always felt like a, a play on hey if you like very traditional Resident Evil or traditional in the sense of like four and five, mm-hmm. uh, this is for you. Yeah, kind of. It, it always felt like a little safer Resident Evil to me. Do you mm-hmm. would want Resident Evil Revelations three to feel like that as well? We're in this perfect place. It's the perfect storm of yeah. first person Resident Evil seven. You do fixed cameras for Resident Evil two remake to scratch that itch. Sure. And then you go Resident Evil four style with Revelations right, three, see. and now all the bases are covered. So to me, that seems like the absolute <laughs> smartest way to Pinnacle. go about it. Because th- th- you just cover everybody. Everyone. Yeah. yeah. Everyone's happy. Uh huh. Um, do you two have thoughts for what you would like to see out of Resident Evil 8? Do you, would oh, yeah. you want VR yeah. support? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my ideal thing would be third person or fixed camera angles for 8. I would like it to focus more. Like, I like first person. I, think I haven't played in VR, which is like a huge disadvantage to it. Yeah. But I like seeing the character kind of thing like that. That's just me. But uh, I want it to be more how uh, this was. And then like 1 and 2 are much more like 
slower paced, quiet, uh, more spooky, I would say. More focusing on that and less action is what I always want out of them. So keep the horror. So, keep uh, the horror up, like the main thing. A yeah. couple of questions. Uh, why specifically would you want not first person? Hmm. I think I just prefer like that perspective of mm. going through something like that. Sure. I think I do that with just games in general. I prefer like having seeing my character kind of in there. Mm. Of course. But I don't have a problem. If like, it's first person, I'm not going to be mad at all. I'm like, oh, cool. Awesome. So there's there's another fact of this equation that has changed my opinion on it quite a bit, and that is the evil within. Yeah. Right? Like, if we were to if if we were to get an evil within 2, that, yeah. that third person psychological horror mm-hmm. vibe would kind of be filled in a way. And remake 2, mm-hmm. that's what yeah, that means. Cameras yeah, remake 2. It has to be fixed camera. Yeah. Do you do you want Resident Evil 8 to be first person? Michael Huber. Yes. Okay. I never in my wildest dreams thought I would say that. And I think if Resident Evil 2 remake wasn't on the horizon, I would be hesitant. Hmm. Because Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3 will always be my favorite. Yeah. I, I like fixed camera angles the most. I like the old school style. Um, but the fact that Resident Evil 2 remake is coming, that is the avenue to do that. Uh, I just think this is the new the new era, and I, and I like <laughs> kind of breaking up these these chunks of fixed camera to action to now first person. And I'm because I enjoyed Seven so much, I'm yeah. so excited to see where they go with it. And uh, I wanted to take one more crack at it at least to uh, kind of perfect this formula. Brandon Jones, uh, we were talking earlier with Resident Evil Seven about the the marketing and how great it was to actually get into Resident Evil Seven and have it be very different than what our expectations. Uh, maybe thought it was going to be, and now that we've we've done that, right? Now that the cat is out of the bag, and we know what Resident Evil Seven is. We know how it feels. We've seen those surprises. Uh, if they do decide to go first person with Resident Evil Eight, how do you think they would surprise <coughs> us again? Um, I think. I mean, it's just. I don't think there was anything uh, super complicated about how they did the advertising for RE7 Beyond. They just picked a point in the game and did not show anything past that. Sure. Uh, that that you, you, We got very used to that house, that room. Um, and it and was Jack. even kind of nice going into <laughs> RE7 that we had we got into the house a different way. You know, right. they, they start out and they're like, here's the house, here you go, open the gate. Oh, it's locked. And you're like, oh, where, where am I going? And so uh, I think... Um, kind of, you know, work around our expectations in that way, like like focus on one specific chunk of the game, uh, have that kind of sell the overall vibe, and then uh, I think we'll be even more excited, even more hyped going into a Resident Evil 8, knowing what they did with 7, and knowing like what we're looking at is probably not the whole story. There'll probably be a lot, especially given like the doll finger and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Something that didn't really seem to have any meaning, you know, in the demo that you get into the game, and it's like, you know, eight oh. hours before you finally like, oh, oh there it is. Um, <laughs> Making parallels between Resident Evil Seven and Resident Evil One, you know the Spencer Mansion and the, the house that you're in, the Baker, the Baker House in Resident Evil Seven. Um, what I playing Resident Evil One mm-hmm. all the way back at the beginning of the PlayStation One era, and then playing Resident Evil Two, the difference in tone and the difference of in, of setting, especially in the very beginning, where you're in the city, everything is on fire, that chaos. I would actually kind of like to see that in Resident Evil 8. Absolutely. Imagine, you know, mm-hmm. like you're with your family or something or you're by yourself or it doesn't really matter, but you're like getting a bite to eat at a restaurant yeah. and then suddenly things go bad and you go out and the entire city is in chaos. That to me would be a really cool yeah. change of pace. Absolutely, yeah. because you take the the mansion and, and the that the 
the mechanic of trying to escape the mansion and you mm. expand that up to escape the city right uh dream my my nervousness <laughs> would be that it, you're already kind of expanding this new storyline you've set up maybe a little bit too fast because i think that kind of upward trend by the time we get to five it's like we're globe trotting you know yeah. it's like i'm a i'm an international zombie killer you know and i think that's what kind of what led to six where it's like where do we go from here we have to blow up an entire street Absolutely. because there's a, you well, know, I, we, I yeah. feel like we have this need to like constantly outdo ourselves exactly so i'm worried about going from the house to like a city and then, <laughs> then what you know I, then what's nine that's that's not what i'm saying though because if you think about resident evil 2 mm-hmm. it it's so smart with with it starts in a city, and then you drill down and sure. get narrower and narrower and narrower. And if you think about Resident Evil Seven, it starts in this house and then slowly expands. Yeah. So I think I think you can go the opposite way there, where like, you know, I would love some more lab stuff in the first person perspective. Sure. You know, like that would be really. I think, cool. but, but, yeah, yeah. I think all of us are just worried about going too big. Exactly. Right. Right. I think because I think one of my, the, the, I don't want it to go too big either. Yeah. I think one of the genuine fears that I had, where I, I was just so in love with, um, you know, that point of where I was at with the story and just the general the funk, the vibe that RE Seven has. That uh, there was one point where you get to a boat and you kind of t- you take a more uh, um, a water bound uh, journey through the map of RE Seven. And I remember, I remember just looking out into the bayou and seeing these really thin trees going just extending into the smoke and realizing if I don't survive this, no one is ever going to know what the heck happened here. Mm-hmm. Like I, like I will be forgotten. My wife will be forgotten. All of this would just get completely brushed under the rug. Uh, kind of, you reminded me uh, in a sense of um, uh, True Detective. That idea where they, they talk about like stuff can happen here in the Bayou, you know, in Louisiana that like people never know about. You know, like mm. there, I can't even imagine. Mafia Three kind of hits on that a little yeah. bit. It's like once I get you out into the, the thick of it, like once I get you out into the swamp, you, they're never going to find you. Uh, and so that again, if something were to happen in RE8 that the whole world is focusing on, as everybody saw what happened in Raccoon City, it was really hard for Umbrella to be like, "Yeah, oh, that didn't happen." It's like you just nuked a town. You know, if it ever gets to that point, uh, mm-hmm. I think it'll take away a little bit of the magic of, of that of that terror of like, "I've got to survive this to tell somebody that this happened." Mm-hmm. You know, to pass on the story. I would yeah, love to, but I want that at the same time. I want to see yeah. a town. You know, I want to. Uh, you go ahead. No, it's a really good point um, because my favorite Resident Evil is. Resident Evil Remake because of the setting, um, because of that isolation. And I do think that is so important to the fear. But I I, I guess I would just, in a weird way, be disappointed if it was like, okay, you're in another house. Mm -hmm. You know, so if if they were going to go that sort of isolation route where Mm -hmm. if something bad happens, no one will ever know, I would want it to be pretty dramatically different than what we've seen so far. I have a want from RE8 co-op. So if you go through See, everything you're just saying, I feel like, oh, I know if you go through uh, uh, you cannot play it co-op first time. Like if you go through first oh. time, it is a it is a narrative that is it is based around a specific character. But imagine like RE7. If now that I'm at the at the end, once I beat the game, now I unlock Mia and now I can go through and play her what she was doing or just another character that that does the classic showing up behind a door that I can't get through. And, oh, you know, I love you, Nathan. And he gets yeah. pulled away. And then. Uh, there's an option that you get like now I can go play through the game and I can play it while someone is actively playing that other campaign so like we are playing at the same time and maybe in kind of like a dumbwaiter Resident Evil Zero kind of way I can pass you items that I can't use but you can use and then you uh, use to you know to do something getting Resident Evil Zero flashbacks yeah. right I, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to instill more of RE2 the concept that like once you play through the game there's there's more there there's that you can go yeah. back through and play the experience from a different perspective get more information that was actually the biggest want that I, I have for Resident Evil 8 is is, but but I don't want the requirement to beat the game. I want to from the beginning like a Chris, sure. uh, Jill, two Claire, yeah. Leon. Absolutely. Like, two like 
I feel like we've really gotten away from that with Resident yeah. Evil, but whenever I think about one or two, that is something that always sticks out, especially two. Earlier I said there were two missed opportunities. I mentioned one of them. The second one is that. Yeah. Is missing that. It hints at that. Right. Kind of these different paths, but it never really and, capitalizes. And make them different. Yes. Change those inventory spaces. Give yeah. these different starting items. Like, oh. Uh, I think we live in an age, though, where they do that in DLC now, though. Like, Secondary character stuff, sure, is going to be Evil Within DLC. classic yeah. example. Going back I through mean, the same story, revisiting different moments. We're talking about wants here, yeah, though. Wants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just talking about reality. I mean, but the thing is, is like if you do it with DLC, it's it's not the same thing. I know yeah. that. For, but, I think what you also add too, if you have different perspectives and different storylines, characters you can possibly switch to, it adds that Call of Duty element where like, I don't know if I'm necessarily going to survive this level. Like, I don't know if, like I'm playing RE7, it's like, this character's probably going to make it to the end because I'm the hero. Yeah. Um, but it, it would be kind of fun if you're like, I don't know if I'm going to make it out of this. I don't know if I'm going to get to some point where even if I defeat this boss, it's just going to like chop my head off and that's then I'm going to jump to another character who's going to then take my items and finish the game. That's something that Zombie U did really well. I <coughs> yeah. thought it was an interesting mechanic. Would you like to see something like that in Resident Evil where if your character dies, you are somebody else and you can go and get that stuff? Or is that is is uh, Resident Evil more about like you are this person? Yeah, like this yeah. is their role. In the yeah, story. I think that would ruin the narrative sure. kind of uh, sure. a lot of ways. Just throwing it out there. I would really like to play as someone on the other side of things. Umbrella like, hunk as an umbrella as some like organization member, uh, someone that has information. You know, yeah, someone yeah. that knows about exactly what's going on, like a scientist. Uh, I think that would be a cool perspective. Umbrella that would be dude. that would be a cool perspective. I want to be a spider, so <laughs> like I want to crawl on walls on stuff and like jump on people. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, Operation Raccoon City also, dude. Operation Raccoon City of games where you play as other characters. Sometimes I forget. I did. I wrote a guide for. Oh my god! Check out Ben Moore's guide. No Operation Raccoon City. Don't. Don't. Don't encourage them to play the game. (laughs) That's how I got my start in the industry, man. Yeah. No shame of that. Go read that guide. Yeah. Um, You haven't read it, have you? I like browsed it. I like looked at it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. He saw it as real. Um, that was it. Yeah. What was the name of the game that you reviewed? Umbrella Core. Yeah. I, I forget that those I exist. forgot it existed for a while. And then there's like Dead Aim as well. There are weird. Well, it's fun too when we talk about the RE games. franchise at large. You're like, there's one, two, three. It's like, there's a, there's a lot more going on there. Mm-hmm. There's right. there's Dead Aim. There's <laughs> Gun Survivor. There's yeah. the Game Zero, Boy game. Like, <laughs> yeah. Um,. Yeah, it, I think you guys said it too. I'm just worried that you know it's always more action is for a sequel. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at two to one, five to four. It's like how do we outdo ourselves? We just throw more creatures, more enemies, more weapons. You know, it's always more, more, more. So I just hope that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. I will say though that. There was a, a very big cloud of skepticism going into Resident Evil Seven. Oh yeah, I, I think. A lot of people didn't expect it to work, and the not only did they pull it off, but they pulled it off in such an elegant way that it's like, no, I, I trust you to make Absolutely. Resident Evil Seven mm-hmm. good. You know, I think I I hope the days of Resident Evil Six are behind us, at least with mainline entries. Yeah, I mean, Revelation Two was kind of the first hint of that. You know? Oh, absolutely, and then absolutely. Uh, but, but like, Resident Evil Revelations Two was like, all right, you're getting this back on track. This is mm-hmm. a good step. Whereas it's like, no, Resident Evil Seven deserves yes. this mm-hmm. level of prestige that we've given mm-hmm. to other games in the series, you know. 
for sure. Yeah, it's and it's also it's it's hard for me to speculate on eight too because of where seven leaves off and, yeah. and the mm-hmm. DLC coming. You know, once we play that DLC, I think it'll be a lot easier to speculate. That that DLC is very important. I know. Mm-hmm. I need it. I need it in my life right now. And it's free, which is nice. Free. Yeah. Very they nice. patched it in. I know. How cool is that? When you uh, when you beat the game, Jones, it, it hints. It's like, yo, free DLC in spring. They patched that screen in after wow. the credits. Um, are you guys ready for some emails? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Let's do it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Eight. I want Hopefully, we got some questions about Resident Evil in these emails. You said we're dreaming. <laughs> we're dreaming. I want Give me Resident a dream. Evil Eight Nemesis. <laughs> Where you play as Nemesis? Yep. Yep. Um, our, <laughs> our first email comes in from Master Yoda. That's mm-hmm. all right. I like it. Excellent. Uh, he says, "Hi, Ben and Allies. Got a game for you. Become the Konami." The meltdown of Konami is still painful, but what if this happened to another great developer slash publisher? What if you were the one in charge of tearing the soul out of these companies purely for sheer profit? Well, good news, you are. Below is a selection of developers slash publishers and their games. You may choose one that will remain untouched and get future versions slash sequels. As in Pro Evolution Soccer... For Konami, a second chance. A second choice can be saved, however. Sorry, the, the wording in this email is a little rough. Okay. However, I, okay, so I think the general idea here we'll is that we have these different companies. companies. and We want to uh, kill them? Like, no. We've got to kill everything but one one, but one thing. And I think the, the slant oh. that we're taking here is not which of these do we like the most, uh-huh. which is going to be the most profitable for us. So we're being uh-huh. evil corporate overlords. Okay. Oh, okay. okay. We're going to milk it. We're going to milk it. Gotcha. Yeah. We're looking for profit. Okay. All right. So he's got a bunch of them here. Uh, I'm just going to pick a few and okay. go on. So uh, I think the first one is here's a perfect one for this. Ubisoft. So here are our options. We can only okay. save one. Assassin's Creed. Far Cry, For Honor, Just Dance, Rayman, and Trials. Just Dance saving? for sure. Just Dance, there's no question. Ooh. Wait, we save one? <laughs> we can only save Dude, one. Still We're really saving one? For uh, Honor. They, keep, they make up every year. They yeah. No, 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 no. It's every, not without what fail. do you like? What is going to make the most money? I would say Just Dance or Assassin's Creed probably. So I think those are the two options. I, I think maybe you could even argue, argue Far Cry. Yeah, you could for sure. Um, but the thing I'm about Just okay. Dance is I'm I feel like... I'm Just sorry. Dance is is maybe kind of similar to other rhythm games where it's just suddenly it irrelevant. Matter, dude. Whereas I feel like maybe Assassin's Creed you could keep going on for milk. a very long time. I, I thought it was you save one of the games <laughs> untouched and all the other ones are milked. No, no, no. We are saving one. We can only save one. And we're I just, doing I'm just, it I'm just enjoying just ruining your life, yeah. Huber. It's like, what, yeah. if, what if they canned all the other franchises and then released Just Dance versions based on those other franchises? <laughs> so we got Just Dance For Honor Edition. Mm. <laughs> it's like all Dance the War Honor characters. Oh, oh man, I would play that. One of those AIDS battle. Huber just crying. Like, no. Like, so is the consensus that we save Just Dance that's, that's going to make book. us the most money that's we can milk that sure. the hardest we'll yeah. milk it. just okay. dance assassin edition all right yeah. ubisoft just dance um we can do ea but i feel like ea is a little easy so here are these these choices mass effect battlefield titanfall fifa madden need for speed fifa fifa, FIFA for sure milk fifa and, um, and we're evil overlords yeah you have to buy your team <laughs> you want to play as your team you're buying it it's extra <laughs> yeah. so what do you get yeah, yeah. for buying the disc 
you get the stadiums. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't you cannot no. play the game. And you get you, or you can play with the team. They have no colors, no numbers, yeah. no names, no difference think, between yeah. them. What They're all one nationality. So doesn't everybody just go to Pro Evo or no? The is uh, yeah, everyone yeah, would. Everyone would jump ship. So I I, don't maybe, do that. Maybe that's a little bit too evil. <laughs> maybe that's that's hurting us a little bit. Uh, right. All right, so I think this is an interesting one. Square Enix. All right, here are our options for Square Enix: Final Fantasy, Tomb Raider, Deus Ex, Dragon Quest, Kingdom Hearts, and Hitman. Final Fantasy. Yeah, I'd say that probably makes you got the most 14, money. Fourteen. You got all the new ones. You got the side. Yeah, there's way Part too, of me made, too much money to be made. Just from purely corporate all the options But people that you can are do, so like, much more emotionally invested into Final Fantasy. You can like, really you know, the city of and, I, rhythm, and I do feel like, like they're milking it already. Yeah. yeah. Are you kidding me, dude? Okay, you're right. You're the right. Cash flow. Brad all right, let me hates see if I can find a really hard and he one. has knocked it. That's right. <laughs> um, gotta get it. Gotta so get I think it. <laughs> I think it would come down to two here, but I'm curious which of these two do you think it would be? So Bethesda, we've got Elder Scrolls, Fallout, Doom, Quake, Prey, Dishonored. So Elder Scrolls. It's between Elder Scrolls and Fallout. You think it is Elder Scrolls? I think Elder Scrolls is like more popular. Especially the sure, the sure amount of Skyrim. Elder Scrolls became an MMO. Elder Scrolls right. became a card game. Elder, you know, they didn't really have a lot of those. those okay. that, that branching out that fall that. Uh, Boy, we're good at being Fallout evil. None of these have oh, really so been okay. All right, Nintendo. I love being evil. It's great. Legend of Zelda, Mario, Donkey Kong, Fire Emblem, Metroid, Animal Crossing, Mario, Mario. Mario. Yeah. Yeah. Milk all the day. Plumber. Can you imagine that day where Nintendo kills off all of its other franchises and only has Mario and the meltdown? That That's the see? day. Yes, dies. you have to buy each stage. For Mario. Oh my god. Capcom, <laughs> Street Fighter, Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Mega Man, Onimusha, Monster Hunter. My gut says... Street Fighter? No, my gut says Resident Evil. Just most, Especially like, now. international... Alright, let's milk it. Yeah. Yep. Uh, was Monster Hunter on that list? Yeah, yeah Monster, and Monster, Monster Hunter. Monster Hunter. It is, it is, but it doesn't uh, so, have the same worldwide appeal. Okay. As, but it is, I mean, yeah. it was a cultural Plus, phenomenon in Japan. Yeah. I think you could make it. already killed Mega Man, so... Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I wish dead, they dude. would. I wish again. That's why it makes what makes RE seven that much mm-hmm. sweeter. You're like, well, they Do, did it. Do it with Mega Man. Yeah, uh, Bandai Namco, Tekken, Tail Series, Ridge Racer, Time Crisis, Soul Calibur, Pac Man, Pac Man, right? <laughs> Has to be Pac Man. Moving on, <laughs> Pac Man. I feel like they could release that forever. Yeah, Just, it's the, I think it's the only one of those that has mainstream appeal. Yeah. Wow. Harsh. Tekken. I know. I know. I agree. All games. I love. Yeah. They're all. This is just being <laughs> evil. Yeah. All right. Thank you for the game, Master Yoda. It's good. It was fun. Um, our next email is from Brandon. He nice. says, "Hi, allies. Hi. Hello. Uh, spelled differently, Ian instead of Owen. Ah, yeah. Legit. One of those dudes. I have yeah. recently begun to contemplate expanding my gaming taste and trying out genres or games." I would have never have thought that I would play. Cool. Last year, I played through Bloodborne, Demon Souls, and Ooh, Dark Souls. Well, well done. After many years of dismissing them as niche games that people only liked because it was cool. <laughs> Happens. All right. I am glad to say my dismissive attitude was wrong, and I loved all three. Brad Bloodborne. looks cool. You want to be like Brad. I understand. Yeah. Bloodborne was my favorite. And I completely <laughs> understand why you guys gave it Godia GT. Uh, this year, I plan on finding a JRPG that can change my attitudes on the Ooh. genre, like Persona 5 or Dragon Quest XI. My question for you guys, was there a time when you were dismissive of a game or genre, but you discovered you were wrong after actually playing the game or a game in the genre? Blood yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for me, it was Warcraft 3 with RTSs. What did you think about RTSs before I was just like, those don't look interesting to me. I don't care about them all. Just I don't for, care about Like, even StarCraft, I was like, I don't care. Just for nerds? No, not even for that. I was just like, I'm not going to like these games. Sure. I, I was like just it. baiting them. Then I played Warcraft 3 and I was like, yes. <laughs> cool. There's really only one genre I don't <coughs> like, 
and it's puzzle games because I just don't get it. <laughs> Were you ever wrong with a puzzle game though? Where you didn't think you would like it and you uh, ended up liking it? Portal? Because this, this is about this yeah. is not about not portal, liking things. Portal. This is about I was like not I was super not into Portal and I liked it. I, I Wait, you were super not into. I was portal not music? into it before it came out. Oh, okay. I was like, oh, late, but portal gun. I hate lasers. I hate portals. I especially hate going through the witness with a shotgun. Every time he gets to a puzzle, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Somebody make that. Yeah. Oh god. Um, but you ended up liking Portal One yeah. quite a bit, despite two. not liking. Okay, despite not liking puzzles games. Yeah. Okay. Um, for me, um, it's funny because my attitude on the series has soured again. But I was for whatever reason really dismissive of Assassin's Creed when it first came out. Mm. Um, early on, I was like, this doesn't look interesting to me at all. Uh, I don't... It, it it seemed like a game that was trying too hard. I can't sum up my feelings better than that. Um, but way after the fact, I ended up playing Assassin's Creed 1 and loving it and beating it in like one or two sittings. Wow, one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> one. I don't know why. I know yeah. a lot of people don't... Uh, Hold one in very high regard, oh, but when cool. I it's played just a it, very straightforward game. It yeah. is, it is yeah. a very straightforward game. But I think what really hooked me to it and why I loved it so much is the movement. Is I had never felt anything where climbing up a building and jumping across rafters felt so smooth, and that was enough that it overrode the straightforwardness of the game. I mean, obviously, two was a huge improvement in yeah. every way, and yeah. But I, oh. I liked Assassin's Creed one a lot. Um, hate Fallout. Sorry, everyone. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, despise it. Despise Fallout 3. Despise Fallout New Vegas. <laughs> I'm hurting you, I know. Played Fallout 4. That's not Enjoyed re- it. That's not really a genre, though. Yeah, I'm, no, it's a game or genre. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's a game or yeah, genre? Okay. Yeah. Really liked it. Enjoyed my time. Happy that I played it. Will take away memories from it. Um, oh, I, f- I forget his name, though. The synth that I love. The Valentine. Detective. Valentine. 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 Love him. Yeah. Love him. Uh, yeah, I really liked Borderlands 2 when I played it, actually. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> How about you, Brandon? Uh, Bloodborne, we were talking about earlier. Uh, but yeah, you brought up what? What's the what's the, what's the grimace upon saying Bloodborne? That I, I, no. I was convinced the Souls series was not for me. Frustrated me to the point where everybody was just, loving it around me. I know, you just hated it. And then and it's just, it just finally clicked just, up. Okay. Oh. Brandon, understand it from my perspective, okay? okay? Where, like... <laughs> I was an intern at Game Trailers, and I was like, Brandon Jones is just the coolest. He's got this great voice. He's like such a jolly guy to talk to. And then, I'm, and then he's like, Yeah, I hate Souls. It's just like that one, like, oh, because everybody else in the office loved it. No yeah. one can be too perfect, though. Like, there's yeah. always right. gonna be a chance. There's, right. there's always a game. And then to come out, it, 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 the frustration continues, though. Like, it wasn't just that. It was. You play Bloodborne, you love it. You can't stop eating it up. Yeah. And then Dark Souls 3 comes out, and you're like, eh. I, I didn't have time for it. But I know, like, but you, yeah. gotta, you gotta understand, like, from my perspective. Yeah, it, it hurts, man. Yeah. Because you know, like, if Bloodborne 2 comes out, I will, I will make time. Right, it's just these 2. ups and downs. And it's like, I think you would probably a... like this, based on, you know, Neo you really are into. So yeah. At least, it's, it's, at least it's, we got that. Yeah. To me, it's an aesthetic. Yeah. Like, 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 being in a yeah. game that punishing, if I'm in, you know, this kind of, like, feudal Japan era or in this, mm. like, you know, heavily gothic environment, no. uh, to me, it just kind of, you know, is a little more attractive versus oh, yeah, just totally. kind of like a, yeah. I will not use the word generic, even though it jumped in my head, but, like, uh, uh, a fantasy setting. A dark setting. fantasy uh, setting. Uh, you know? yeah. That's that's why I'm like Fallout is purely sure. I mean, me too. Set. I hate it. And, and I want to make it clear right it's, now. It's a, it's a gross world. Yeah. It's, 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 it's dirty and sad and 
empty. You know? yeah. I want to be clear right now that like not liking things for aesthetic reasons, games, not yeah. liking games for aesthetic reasons, totally valid. Like I, I get it. I'm not mm-hmm. saying like you're wrong, Jones. Right. It was just you seemed so many yeah. so open minded yeah. about games, and you both seem so open minded about games, and you try so many different things. Yeah. Then when it's just like, yeah, I just don't like the way it looks. It's just it's it's abrasive in a way that I don't expect. That's all. But no, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah, it's too gray. It's gross. That's, that's your fault thing. And I get it, but it's like, it's the post-apocalypse. Oh. I mean, it's like, if you're going to spend so much time in that world, you don't, long. if you're not enjoying it's, it there. It's weird to me because, I like, the characters of Fallout New Vegas are the yeah. strongest point to me. They didn't have Valentine. Valentine hooked. They like... We need to we need to settle it with. If I didn't have if I didn't have Valentine in four, I I may have stopped. But like the the amount of color in the game compared to other Fallout's and how cool he was, mm-hmm. like that was enough. Yeah, time. you need like a you need you need a Hubert character yeah. for him to be really drawn. So like a detective, yeah. like an old vet character, mm-hmm. just any old vet. Period. Yeah, it's a, a every, bear. A every bear. time I stream something and <laughs> no backstory, just bear. Yeah. I'm going through it for the first time. I'm, I I always have that. Oh yeah, that's a Hubert character. <laughs> Everything I play well, now, I have that, so easy to tell. I have that. I'm like, oh, Huber would like, yeah, everything. Like, if there's a huge dude with an axe, it's pretty much like, like a guarantee Huber's going to I like I'm playing Pokemon Sun, and I'm talking with Kyle during Brandon Sun, Kyle Moon, and I get to the, the trash Pokemon. Yeah. It looks like a trash bag. And he's like, he's like he, he evolves into uh, Huber's favorite Pokemon. And I was like, yeah. oh, really? I can't wait to see that. And then, like, it's before we shot game. the next episode, I bump into Beware, a giant pink bear. And I'm like, this isn't. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this, this is a new Pokemon. He's just a Pokemon son. I was like, okay, well, here we go. Nice. I found his new favorite Pokemon. Um, Beware. Our, our last email comes in from uh, Quagtheus, I think that's how you pronounce that. Sorry if I butchered it. The subject is too much context. Hey, allies, I'm a big fan of context and fictional worlds that follow their own rules. However, have you ever noticed a game going too far out of its way to acknowledge the rules or adhere to them? For example, in the JRPG Lufia 2, you had a spell called Escape, which let you instantly leave a dungeon. The villain would frequently trap the players at the end of several dungeons, and every time he had to say, the spell Escape is blocked. It was a nice touch at first, but it felt pretty ridiculous by the third time he said it. What do you think? Should we just accept that gameplay mechanics don't always fit perfectly within video game plots, or should Cloud acknowledge why a Phoenix Down wouldn't have worked on Aerith? Maybe the designers of Lufia could have avoided this if they thought of a, of different scenarios other than trapping the player in a dungeon three or four times. So, too much context. Is it a thing? Can it happen in video games? Quick side tangent. Yeah. I like to think that when you die in Final Fantasy VII, like in a battle, you're like in a critically injured state. Mm-hmm. But Eris was completely dead. Yeah. I D&D. know that's not, but it's the headcanon yeah. I use. D&D style. Sure. Yeah. Stabilize. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, part of the reason I picked this email is to, to say, personally, uh, obviously we have very big fans of Context. I am a fan of Context as well, but sometimes mm-hmm. I think the Allies take it too, too far. Like, Thanks, one, like, hating, like hating... Uh, <laughs> I'm just letting out a grievance here. But hating on Super Mario Galaxy 2 no, because of the God. Mario head, where it's just a thing that transports you to different levels, I... Obviously, I'm oversimplifying that argument, and we should have no. Kyle that's the here. argument. Okay. That is the argument. That's where we all get mad at Kyle. Like, I'm sometimes I'm okay if if it's in service of fun. <laughs> if it's just like, yes, this doesn't make a lot of sense, but don't worry, you're gonna have so much. You're gonna be enjoying this so much. That's not that big of a deal. Or I don't always play games for the story, and I think that's okay. Yeah, I think yeah. you can enjoy a game oh, yeah, yeah. outside of that. I'm not saying you shouldn't prioritize story, or like you can't criticize it when a story is bad. But like. 
I don't know. Video games have so many different components to them. Uh oh, Kyle oh, shaking, his, hand hand shaking his head through the window. Uh, <laughs> uh, I oh god. I know this is like beating a dead horse, but it's like yeah. I, Deus Ex. It's like I play every game now so yeah. differently that some games like Resident Evil need the context. Want the context. Smell your salt. Need it. Want it. Right. Ghost Recon, Ghost Recon, Wildlands. Wild yeah, yeah. I don't need anything but set. Jones with a machine gun next <laughs> yeah. to me. You know, so I think it. Uh, right. For me, it personally, it's a game to game basis. Now. Yes. yes, game to game basis yeah. is exactly the way that it needs to be said. Because you think about Yakuza, okay? Yeah. Yakuza Zero. I think the story in Yakuza Zero legitimately great. Mm-hmm. I was emotionally invested in the story of Yakuza Zero, which is really all I expect out of video games, yeah. for better or for worse. But there are things that happen in the game that don't make any sense. They're just insanity. There's lunacy for the sake of being ridiculous. And that adds to the vibe of those games I wouldn't want it any other way. Mm-hmm. And they do a good job of usually separating it. It's like, all right, this is story, this is serious time, this is you doing, some wacky doing a music video. Yeah. yeah. So... I think I, a game by game basis. Is I got a franchise that has wacky context that is a, a, a deal breaker for me. Oh, I uh-huh. already know what this is. What is it, Brad? Kingdom Hearts. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, uh, that's either Sophie or Kyle. I can't tell. Was, Kyle has long yeah, fingernails. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but clawing uh, at the door. But context. Just, just like yeah, going into timeline and, and doing like the retro episode, just a little bit on Kingdom Hearts, and just being like, oh, let me like, dig a little deeper here, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Like, how does he get that ability? Like love, like. Oh, oh, okay. Um, well, then like, these characters show up. Like, how did they not die? Like, memories. Like, Ben, you said my yeah, favorite right. thing ever about Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> yeah. You know less about the story by playing through the games. Like, if I hadn't played any of them, I think I would have a better understanding. But you would be wrong, because you actually wouldn't. <laughs> can, I, can I just, like... Draw a line in the sand here. I'm gonna get a lot of people upset with me. I really enjoy Kingdom Hearts. Oh no, the story's wa- batshit insane. Don't don't tell me to watch the goddamn timeline. I've watched the timeline like three times. I've played all the games. I've like read up on the story. Like, I, I enjoy those games, but that story's bullshit. Yeah, it's crazy. It's fucking it's bullshit. Crazy. You gotta be like me and then just embrace right. it. And, and that's go what I've right. done. That's what I've done. I've, I've yeah. embraced it and just I'm all for the ride. Yeah. Absolutely. The weirder but, the better like, now. People get mad when you don't take the story seriously and I just yeah. don't understand. But it's like, it's like Brad, it's like, you know, Huber will tell me like, you're a Batman fan. Why aren't you watching Gotham? It's like, I'm not watching Gotham because I'm a Batman fan. And it's, very, <laughs> it's not the same thing with Brad. He's like, you love Disney so much. Why don't you play it? It's like, because I love Disney. But the Disney's much. there, man. It is. It is. You just need to be able to, to like, go along for the ride, and I don't think yeah. everybody can always do that all the time, you right, depending on the separate things. Like, you still got your classic Disney, you still yeah. got it there, no sure. one's ruined it for you, man. They, they are. It'll still be there, but <laughs> you can just have this little side dish on the side and just have some fun. Plenty ruined. <laughs> There's no going back. Hey, you, I know when you cut that review, you saw that Pinocchio footage, and you're Oh, I love it. I know, like, I, I yeah. love, you know. Like, I, I, I still enjoy it. I enjoy the franchise, but playing them... Uh, Prankster's no. Paradise, dude. <laughs> Context. Give me my Kingdom Huber Hearts. co-op and my assault rifle. And I'm, okay. <laughs> yeah, we all got our, yeah. our dumb things. Guys, that's going to do it for the podcast. Yeah! Two and a half yes. hours! Ooh. Oh, yeah. Um, I liked going game by game. I think Ooh, that works really well. We might do that again. It flow to it. It did, yeah. I could care less what you guys are playing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let us know Jeez. if you like the format. This is obviously much, much, much shorter. Please, I know you guys 
a lot of you love the very, very long frame traps. But me personally, I, I like this length. I like about two and a half hours, and it seemed to work well. It seemed like we yeah. had some Remember meaningful discussions. Remember when I'm at a coffee, it's good timing. Right, Two and a half hours used to be long for us. But yeah, of course, as always, give us any and all feedback. We want to hear it. We want to keep evolving the show. There but, will be a time, Ben, when yeah. like three massive games come out in like a two-week period. Mm-hmm. And the frame trap is like five hours. It will happen. Persona Five isn't out yet. I can't wait for the day when a po- like a frame trap's like four hours. Some guys are like, "Was well, so short, man." <laughs> I feel, yeah, I feel really sorry for the people on that frame trap episode after Persona Five comes out that have not played the game. It's like, what are they going to do for an hour and forty minutes? <laughs> like they're going to have to like exercise their smiling resting face of like, oh, okay. that, that is a really All interesting right. anime. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna make it you. Not because they're not I'm interested. Gonna, like, it's you. Just because they literally haven't played it. Like, yeah, no, I just <laughs> I want it to be Brandon for that reason. Okay, not to make you suffer. Um, I do want to say one quick thing, just a personal apology. I've been coughing a lot, and so I'm sorry if that's gotten under your skin. I just can't seem to shake this cold. The syndrome. Yeah, you get the syndrome. Me. Sorry, Thanks, Huber. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, if you want more of us, please go to easyallies.com. There you can find links to our Patreon, which is a great way to support this this kind of thing and to, to make those 12-hour frame traps possible. <laughs> um, yeah, we also stream all the time, a mm-hmm. bunch of different things. Uh, we also are... Uh, you know us on YouTube. This is probably how you're watching it. Uh, if you're not, youtube.com slash easyallies. We've got reviews. We've got another podcast, which is really great, hosted by Kotlal Bossman. Um, we also have... Easy Allies Plays, which I don't think a lot of people know about. It's where we archive our streams, um, and so if you can't catch them live, it's a There's great place so to watch so many it. videos on that channel. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Bloodworth. Yeah. Uh, I recommend the group streams as well as archived on there. A lot of fun. But anyway, that's going to do it for us. Until next time. <laughs>